Good morning this morning, good morning everybody, good morning, good morning, uh, good morning to you and you and you and you. Thank you, Mr. Ford. Steve George, do you remember Phil the Gorilla from the St. Louis Zoo? Yes, I do. So do I. story coming there. Do you remember Raja the elephant? Yes. Great. When Raja was born, it's a big deal in the post-dispatch. It was a big deal at the zoo, too. So do we have a new thing going on here where you stand over there, then you come over here to talk to the mic, and then you stand over there? That's going to be your new deal. I didn't want to slurp on Mike (laughs) or breathe into it or cough into it. You're learning. Thank you. You're learning. Good morning, everybody, from the Discovery Design Studios, discoverydesigninc.com. For all of your trucking needs, you a hauler, you a concreter, you a uh, builder, are you? You a roofer? No. Well, (laughs) you need a truck. My nephew does. Either way. Yeah. Lots of family members who are, but not me. Discovery Design, Rick Pogue and Jerry and those guys, thank you very much for your sponsorship of the show and of the studio here at at Beautiful Gaslight. And also coming up, speaking of another sponsor, the Santinos are coming in. Mike and Shannon, couple of the year. We're going to announce them as the couple of the year today. In the beautiful Discovery Design Studios, as Santino Cigars and Cocktails in beautiful, well, Arnold, 
I was going to say downtown Arnold, but I don't know whether there really is a downtown Arnold. But nonetheless, it's right off of Vogel Road there and really easy to get to. doesn't matter where you are in Jefferson County or in St. Charles County, St. Louis County. 270 gets you there at its Highway 55 is where that's going to be. That's correct. In L.A. Right. Deep in the heart of L.A. It's really a beautiful uh, place, and it's a ton of fun, and... As Steve pointed out yesterday, very aptly, it's the reason the re- he has a v- ventilation system that means you don't actually you can be at a cigar bar and not come home and smell like cigars, which I think is uh, amazing. So everybody's flipping out, by the way, over the whole Kavanaugh thing, and I don't know where to begin. We had the uh, Joy Behar was really crazy. Now keep in mind the one of the dangers of talking about The View is that most of you don't watch The View. I mean, you'd never in a million years sit down and sit through The View. It's very tough to do. It really is. I mean, it's not something that normal people, especially people who listen to the Radio Free Almond product or even, for that matter, conservative radio or whatever. Oh, by the way, speaking of that, and and you've got some connections over there, so we're going to work on that. And I've got some calls in too for the to the MRC TV folks. So I really was try. I've been for a long time trying to get Levin on the show, and because Levin now is more independent, I'm going to try to get him on the show and Eric Bowling on the show and some other folks, Michelle Malkin even on the show, and see what we can we can do. There's a big yeah. pair of. Uh, I want to I grab those things and uh, take them off of that thing. Then I'm going I'm, I'm to be wandering around again and adjusting the mic. Look at you. <laughs> you got one of these. Is this what you did? I didn't you, do you're it. You're marching here and demanded a uh, I had my, uh, vice or microphone? I had, I had my crew do it. I have my own crew now. Unbelievable. You made these people <laughs> grab one of these from the shop room, did you? That or I grab and touch the mic all. So what? Oh, is, now what was the problem? It was swiveling. Yes, it was. I see. It had a mind of its own. Yeah, heaven forbid, church's mic swivels. So they, they go into the. They yeah, go it's a temporary. Here, come here. Put your put your uh, <laughs> put my put what? Your, put your what? Nose in there. Oh my nose! I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man! Oh, speaking of um, tools. <laughs> yes. You were. You were talking about me. Go ahead. You made them do the extra work around here. You realize it costs some money. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Non-union. The, 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 you did an investigation. Uh, I asked you to investigate the similarities between the giant scissors that the blacks and the whites each used for their ribbon cuttings. And I, we, yes. w- I wanted to know whether or not, uh, the, w- whether or not Whitey – uh, bequeathed his big pair of scissors to the black guys for the uh, arch ribbon cutting, and it turns out, lo and behold, ladies and gentlemen, drum roll, please. Yes, uh, Steve Perrin, Ava Ehrlich, and I did, uh, we all got together, us four and five got together and found out that the scissors were one and the same. Oh, so the so so the blacks, in doing their separate ritter, ribbon cutting, still relied on Whitey. Yes. I see. And, but they got their own ribbon. I see. I'm surprised Whitey's Whitey, ribbon was green. Right. The redo ribbon was a nice uh, see-through uh, laced 
oh. uh, ribbon. Oh, just what you need when you're doing a ribbon cutting is a see-through ribbon. <laughs> yeah, so no one can one see One that you it. really can't see. Correct. They're, this is our invisible ribbon. <laughs> Pretty much. Watch it looks like one. Wonder Woman Much ribbon. like we were invisible at the original ribbon cutting, now we have an invisible ribbon to symbolize the fact that we were invisible during the original ribbon cutting. That's the black ribbon cutting. That's very good. Yeah. Right. That was maybe that was what it was all about. That should be in the PR release. So now, let me ask you this then. So in the end, the the black contingent ribbon cutting contingent wasn't so independent after all, and still needed to borrow Whitey's scissors to do the ribbon cutting. There, there. We cannot confirm it, but there are some reports that I've heard that uh, Lida got out of her uh, minivan. <laughs> And she came out with the scissors. Yeah, her minivan. Is it, was it, did it say Claire McCaskill for Senate? Was that mini, the minivan? <laughs> so let me ask you this then. Are you sure, by the way, do these just look like the same scissors or were they indeed the same scissors? They look exactly alike. Right. But, not, but, but, but a big pair of scissors sometimes, you don't get a whole lot of variety in that when you shop for those. Yeah, yeah, you can. But nonetheless, it's pretty amazing that they're both exactly similar alike. in look. Exactly alike. Now, I'm surprised that Lida Krusen and the white contingent didn't then ultimately brag that oh, they gave the black they gave the blacks the, their scissors. They didn't about the scissors, but they did about the event in itself. Like, wasn't this great? I'm surprised yeah. that Lida Krusen and her white contingent didn't brag about how once again they helped black people. They pretty much did. Once That's again, what I read through it. once again, we're pleased to report we have helped the black community by loaning them our pair of scissors for their separate ribbon cutting event. Please keep your rocks and blood away from my house. Right. So, so all the more reason to elect white Democrats in leadership positions of the city of St. Louis. And by the way, if you do have a black newspaper, always make sure the editor is also white. <laughs> That's correct. That's the thing that confounds me most is that that bloated liberal hipster Chris King, the white liar, by the way, who lied about me asking him to be on my show. I've never asked the guy in a million years to ever be on my show, but after the whole tweet thing, he goes, you know, I was asked to be on his show a number of times, and I declined. I knew I was right. I was like, I, I never invited you on my show. No, I didn't. A long time ago, he blocked me on Twitter for whatever reason. I guess it's because I have no idea, but you know, because I'm white. This reminds me of the uh, skit after the SNL skit after Trump won the election, where there's a bunch of liberal white people in a New York City penthouse, and they're going, "This is the worst day in American history." And Dave Chappelle's going, "Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, right." <laughs> and this is a holocaust, and Mark Cason's like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> I mean, seriously. Anyway, what are we talking about? Oh, The View. So we go back to The View. I thank you for your investigation of the scissors. Ladies thank you. Oh, this is going to be great. It, watch, as you're about to hand it to me, Dan Buck's going to come in here and steal it. And for the investigative report that discovered what we already knew. Thank you. Uh, as an investigative report about how... Thank Whitey you. actually wound up loaning 
the black guys their pair of ribbon-cutting scissors. Uh, it's a long title for an investigative story, but nonetheless, maybe that is what ultimately earned Steve Church and his uh, gang of uh, excellent producers, Ava Ehrlich and Steve Perrin, the Emmy. Uh, we're going to present to him Jamie Allman's 15th Emmy that he won. Thank you. Here you go. Thank don't, you. Uh, don't mess with it. Is Dan Buck behind don't me? Don't put that take it? vice grip or whatever the hell that is over there. Here, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want you to really touch it. I just want to put well, it over there. From the bottom? I need to. No. I have the acceptance no, you don't. speech. No, you don't have an acceptance. Yeah. We already did the Love acceptance it. speech. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank my family for supporting me. And uh, I could not have done this without the wonderful production, joint production of KMOV and KSDK and Ava Ehrlich and the leadership of Steve Perrin and... Um, I just can't, words can't express my gratitude and how happy I am to have such an award. And this will forever stay right here on the show. Oh, wait. Well, here's another one. Here, I'll give you another one. Here is uh, Emmy goes to Steve Church for the biggest lie ever told at the Emmys, and that is his family <laughs> supports him. Here you go. Oh, you got that right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, anyway, we go back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we go back to The View. Now, okay, so very few people actually watch The View, and it's just not something you go to. But those of us in this medium and this genre have a lot of fun with The View because invariably Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg or something. And I, I really, there's something, there's something I like about Whoopi Goldberg and – I don't know. I I, dis, I disagree with her so often, and her points sometimes are so crazy, but sometimes they're not so crazy. And as a liberal, for whatever reason, I'm kind of I, I, she doesn't annoy me as much as the other ones do. Why is that? I, I've talked with her and met for a couple of times. There, and her a, voice sounds like the hippo in the Disney movie uh, Animal. That's remarkable. Not the hippo. I think it was the hyena, wasn't it? No, I don't know. Yeah. I, her voice sounds... The I hyena. Said, I said, that's the woman from the Disney movie. Lion King. When I see her. Yeah. Was it the Lion King? Yeah, I think she was the hyena in the Lion King. Oh, she was? Intern, look that up! Um, I believe she was the hyena, but there, she has a sense of all the, sense all the kids who, while their moms are watching the view are going, that's the hyena from the lion king. <laughs> anyway, I, mommy, it's the hyena from the lion king. She, uh, Whoopi comes from a base of reality and most comedians have that. And she has a, a little bit of common sense. That, Maybe that's it. And that, I think that's it. That's she, doesn't what you're seem to be, she doesn't seem to be like crazily offensive to me. Although, you know, because and, and, and I think to a lot of other people, too, she seems to get a certain level of a pass, which uh, – and I, and I actually – here's the thing. I think I personally like her. I, I personally appreciate her her – success and her talent because when she was a comedian she did a lot of comedian she's pretty damn funny oh and the uh telethon she did with robin williams and billy crystal were just yeah comic relief and, and the other person who falls in that category is ellen degeneres i i love Ellen, who i love I, and i can't figure out i mean i i understand i don't agree with pretty much anything she says necessarily politically but i've always liked her and and yeah. she's and she's she's very as a comedian she was pretty damn, she was very funny yeah 
I her you know. sh- her show her daily show is very funny and a, and her game show is funny and now, for the most part she keeps politics out of it. Yeah, not not really, but yeah, most part. Well, for the most part, yeah. yes, unless something unless she interviews Kamala Harris or. Hillary Clinton or Bill Clinton or any of the other, but that's Bill, about it. Yeah. But generally, she's uh, she. I don't know. She's a sweet, sweet person. Anyway, so back to the view. Now, Joy Behar, though, who I never knew as a comedian before this, and I think she was a comedian when some of them demanded to be called comedians. You know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a comedian. I'm a comedian. But that was. But I've never actually seen any routine she's ever done, or any bit she's ever done. And I've never known her to be anything but this braying hag on the View. That's about the only way I've ever known Joy Behar. Like she's, I've never seen her as a as a second act on a you know sitcom or anything like that. No, she. she if 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 the Orson, what was it? What was the uh, what was the show with Charles Nelson Riley? Oh, Match Game PM. Yeah, Match Game. If Match Game were still around, she'd be one of the people on Match Game. In fact, I would say she'd be the top row in the middle and having big, huge right, glasses. Charles Nelson Riley, and and or she would be on to tell the truth if that were still around. <laughs> right. You know, that would be Joy Behar's super deal. password. Or she'd be in a Palmolive commercial. If Palmolive commercials were still around. That's a very good point. Are your hands soaking in it, by the way? No. So we have Joy Behar and some other chick and then Megan McCain. And they're talking about, and I've heard this rap before about President Trump and how he shouldn't, because he's under investigation, he shouldn't be allowed to appoint a Supreme Court justice. So, of course, that's the most ridiculous thing we've ever heard and certainly it's un-American because uh joy behar needs to know that in this country when you are under investigation you are not guilty i know the left oftentimes will presume guilt when someone is under investigation that's kind of what they do and by the way speaking of the left i got a story to tell you about the left and david hogg they turned on him big time i don't doubt it Big time. I don't doubt it. So anyway, in her world, because you are under investigation, you're guilty, which, of course, isn't American. Megan McCain, who oftentimes has uh, come across as a kind of a milk toasty conservative, like the token conservative, really, I think, stood her ground well here on The View if you want to take a listen. Do you want to take a listen? Of course you do, because this is Radio Free All. There's got to be checks and balances, and we haven't got that in any of the three uh, branches of government because right now. And it's going to be even worse when this guy comes but, it's, so. but this implication, I think, from people the on Senate. the... But people on the left, like last night, Shannon Bream, who's a host on Fox News, wasn't comfortable doing her broadcast outside with all the protesters. And there are people with signs with blank spaces saying, we hate blank, just waiting to fill in whoever it is. And I Mm -hmm. think the left does themselves a disservice when you're not even looking at the person presented in front of you. I'm pretty amazed that they let Meghan McCain talk as long as she did right here. Right. Usually, usually, and sometimes, unfortunately, it's Whoopi who will interview, 
intervene here, but they let Megan McCain go. There was so much common sense of that statement. They were dumbfounded. They didn't have a response. <laughs> yeah, right. It sounded like English. And you've already made the decision. But, That's not happening on this show, but I'm just me. saying there are people outside doing it. But the, the left it, but, is taking a page from Mitch McConnell's book. But what I, I have to tell you, though, Joy Behar's looks really get her get her past any kind of attacks that might be made on her. She really... What I want to say is that the idea... And you've right. said this before, that like... Yeah. The this- audience on The View confounds me as well, because for whatever reason, it's chock full of lefties. Like, Megan McCain never gets any applause whatsoever. This is like a stolen experience. This is what ha- elections have consequences. And yes, Republicans have three branches of power. Now we're getting two more seats in the Supreme yeah. Court. Yeah. But it's why voting is so important. But the yeah. idea that we're living in like... Yeah, stuff- go figure. The, the, the elections have consequences. Republicans came out in droves. And now they are basically running the legislative branch and the executive branch and ultimately the judicial branch, notwithstanding the reality that the Supreme Court does not make laws. Now, in the liberal world, it does, and that's what we would have. If Hillary Clinton were president, we'd have a legislative body known as the Supreme Court. We don't have a legislative body right now and will not for the next 40 years. We, some of us, will be dead before there's ever a chance in hell that the Supreme Court will be dominated by liberals, which is good news for our children. Some, I don't know, totalitarian fascist country where this was just appointed by a dictator. It's just a lie. And I, I think we have to be intellectually honest well, he's about under that. Investigation. And, and, no, and no one claps about that in the audience? No. No one claps about that excellent point being made? There's something behind the curtain that you may not see. I have. They have a floor director and an applause sign. So the floor director... Who is employed, and basically he's managing and helping Joy and Whoopi and the others. Every time, if you said something, and I'm, I'm uh, behind you with 300 people in front of me, you just said, I love tomatoes. Go ahead. I'll, I'll show you how the floor director works the audience. Say something. Go ahead. I love tomatoes. I'll just say that. Yes. Yes, tomatoes. There's no way tomatoes. that happens. There's That's a, the floor director. But, okay, if you're Megan McCain, there's, there's no way you would tolerate that kind of behavior. I mean, I could, I could see how you could do that when the show opens, but they really do that when yes. a, a comment is made? Yes, the floor director, the, the audience is like, the floor director, and they'll have a comedian warm up the audience. And they're right in line with the right. host of the show. Well, you're the one that confirmed for me that the blacks use the white scissors. So I'll take your word for it. Thank you. Since but, you since hello, you discovered uh, Ivan Emmy Apple, you compared those scissors and found out as I suspected. So I guess I'll take your word for it on this one too. That's ridiculous, though. It is. It's I mean, ridiculous. I can see that happening like normally, like when the show opens. But listen to this. This is Joy Behar's crowning moment here. We're going to have Alan Dershowitz on today, and I'd mm-hmm. like to ask him. And Alan, I, I, I need to find the Alan Dershowitz part of that because where he looked at her like she was from Venus after she said 
this. About that. Why would a president who's under investigation by the FBI for obstruction of justice and collusion be allowed to pick a Supreme Court justice who will be there? I'll be dead. There are many okay. people in this room who will still be alive and have, need abortions and what have you, need health care. How dare he be allowed to do this when he is under investigation? I mean, this, this was a terrifying moment for me as an American to not only hear Joy Behar say that, that because someone's under investigation, I'm sorry, the President of the United States is under investigation, he cannot assume the powers of the executive branch, namely to nominate a Supreme Court justice. The idea that somehow because he is presumed guilty before he is presumed innocent, that somehow he should not be allowed to do that. The scariest part of that would be the audience clapping. Yeah, and it sounds just like Missouri. I'm just the same playbook from Missouri. Regarding Eric Reitens? Yep. This idea, and and, and again, I don't know what Dershowitz's answer would be, but I'm sure it was very short and probably contained these words, this is the United States of America, Joy Behar, that's why. Pretty easy answer. Yeah. But man, I got to tell you, that was a disturbing moment. Now, and I don't flip out about it because we were able to win in 2016, we'll win in 2018, and we'll win in 2020. And so the sum total of our existence for the next six years or so is just going to be watching people like Joy Behar bitch and grind themselves into the ground and twist themselves into intellectual shapes sometimes we've never seen before. But still, just for the sake of argument, it's good to get this out there and and talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Expose the idiocy and hypocrisy uh, of the view. Jim Talent's going to be on with us in a little bit as well. I'm going to have him on at about uh, 7 a.m., and so we'll give him a shout and get the nuts and bolts of how this thing, whole thing is going to go in terms of the confirmation hearing and everything else. And let's see. The three hyenas made occasional appearances. Lion King's Tima and Pumbaa. Right. Tima and Jim Cummings. Oh, okay. Rob Paulson replaced Whoopi Goldberg. Okay. I see. So, I, I, for, okay, so, so yeah, she was one of the hyenas, huh? So yes, she was. You, Although I didn't, th- I don't think the kids really yell, "Mommy, that's the hyena," because Lion King came out like in '95 or something like that. But still, nonetheless, for the sake of argument, yes, she was indeed one of the hyenas in the in the Lion King. All right, so this is the same Disney, by the way, that didn't tolerate Roseanne Barr making ape references to blacks. This is the same company that every time they need a nefarious animal in one of their Disney movies, they call on the black people. I guess someone found out Danny Glover actually starred and appeared in a live-action Disney film. Oh, did, oh, that's right. We were trying to figure so, out whether or not there was actually one, a leading black role in Disney. Yeah, one. Yeah, Disney. Uh, the, the, the Angels liberal, in the Outfield. Yeah. Right. By the way, too, we've got this really interesting report comparing the newscasts and how they reported on the Guy who made the speech initially there in Brussels, he is the European Union president, Donald Tusk, who was talking about the European contributions to their defense spending. 
And this was great. This is why it's great to have operations like Newsbusters who will be able to take pieces of tape and compare the relative editing and use of the tape by the various newscasts out there. And you should have seen what ABC, NBC, and CBS wound up doing when it came to reporting on this guy's initial speech. You know, it's really cool. The Europeans, I have to tell you, they have a their lighting and set design and everything else seems to be space age and almost ultra modern. And I actually kind of respect yeah. their setup and their production qualities, don't you? I yeah, I do as well. They they came out with HD before us. They came out with 4K before us. They come out with the virtual sets before us. I don't I don't know what maybe it was in the 80s or 90s. Someone surpassed the US in television and production. Well, I, I was watching a bit from Afghanistan television. It was it, they it was like a talk show and these and every once in a while, especially in the Middle East, these people get on these talk shows and they throw punches at each other on these talk shows. That's and, awesome. Yeah, usually preceded by a you punch somebody in the face. Was this Al Jazeera? No, this was not. No Al Jazeera, no. But anyway, they had a set where it looked like it was like this floating. It was on this gigantic, I don't know whether it was a virtual set or not, but it was a table that was on this in this gigantic sea of these bright crystalline colors and it was like crazy i'm going that's afghani tv that's awesome i know they probably got some dubai money (laughs) well maybe maybe they did all right so ladies and gentlemen jim talon on the way we have our friends from santino's cigars and cocktails coming in mike and shannon marino they're going to be in with us as well we're live here from the discovery design studio discoverydesigninc.com and without further ado, and by the way, Jim Talon on the way. Did I say that already? I, I Maybe I didn't. I don't know. And we'll discuss uh, the busting by newsbusters of the networks and their coverage of this meeting in the European Union. Make sure you also get your brand new Radio Free Almond gear that's going to be available to you in different colors now. The tanks all have kind of different colors and things like that. Now they have white and, uh, and a military color, everything else, and... You might be able to get them just in time if you drop by and pick them up yourself uh, for the Peter Pfeiffer event tonight at Cool Dell from 7 to 9. I'll be the master of ceremonies at the uh, Peter Pfeiffer event there. Peter Pfeiffer, of course, running for U.S. Senate. So without further ado, peeps, it is now our national anthem. Yeah. 
thinking about when I was a sailor. I spent my time on the open sea. When we'd stay off the coast of Jamaica, I'd secretly steal the shore. Let us wait for the lazy soul. I sing with a sailor. Live from the Discovery Design Studios, it's Radio Free Almond. Good morning this morning. Yeah. Good morning. So did they, did they kick us off? Yeah. You know, sometimes you just kind of uh, press your luck a little bit with the music, and that's how it goes. We'll be back on there in a second. People have to hop back on, which is a pain in the rear. Uh, what? I'm sorry, man. What do I got to do? I'll turn the song off. So they're going to, they're gonna, so they, they won't even do, consider my return to Facebook if unless I turn the song just completely off. I just didn't want to roll the dice. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, they, they flagged us there, Facebook. I'm trying, some days it, it works, some days it doesn't. I don't know what the, what the real difference is, but sometimes they just uh, get you. Uh, and and and, uh, and they and they get you quickly too. So let me just see if I can get this, record uh, labels. Certain record labels have, uh, yeah, a higher red flag. Hey everybody, good morning, this morning people. So we're back on now. There, uh, Matt. Correct, sir. Thank you, brother. Yeah, sorry about that, people. We get knocked off, and then we got to get you back on again. Uh, that's how it works in the business. And, and again, I've always, I was the one thing I'm complained about, and I've done this before. Where the the bummer about it is that we all like, for instance, we're using the platform, and Facebook already pays a general licensing fee for the music, and so we're using Facebook's platform, but yet we can't use the music. So even though they've already paid kind of that that ASCAP license or whatever the hell it happens to be, they they already pay that, and yet we uh, we still get uh, kind of nailed for that. So. That's kind of uh, it's complicated. The pain. It is complicated, and I've always wanted to uh, make sure that I've always been a, a proponent of making sure that people do get paid and you know justly compensated for their for their 
music. I'm, I'm not trying to steal people's music. I'm just trying to, you know, use use a platform that already pays for us. So I have a I suggestion. Okay. Yes, what would that suggestion be there, Steve? I would just sing for everyone while you, during the break. Well, we could do that, but... Uh, I really, Acapella. Would, I really would prefer just to have the the actual music. I'm trying to get this this damn. Hold on a second. I'm, I'm a little preoccupied trying to get this thing going here. And I don't know whether they've just uh, then banned us permanently or what they've done. Because are we are we actually on Facebook now? Yes. Okay. Yep. Good. I don't know. My, maybe my maybe it's my uh, my phone that might be the problem. Oh well. Figure it out. All right, so we had this situation happening in Brussels. President Trump, of course, uh, wowing the Euro world. And, you know, listen, he has gone over there. He's made a very distinctive statement about what NATO and what our European allies must do to contribute more to their own defense spending. And he also tied it a little bit to trade, which I think is an important consideration as well. And the fact of the matter is we have an imbalance. Uh, There is a severe imbalance in the relationships between the United States and our NATO allies. That's just the truth. And our NATO allies for a long time have been in a situation where they have just – we've just kind of been the – in case of fire, break glass country. And the United States has not been bothered by that role necessarily, except for the fact that it's cost us too much money. We're more than happy. Believe me, if tomorrow Canada was invaded, they're not really a European ally, but you know what I'm talking about. If Germany were invaded, if France were invaded or what have you, if if this happened tomorrow, what do you think we'd do? We'd be there. We'd be there to help them. And we have proven ourselves in that category because all you have to do is go to Normandy. You could see the graves of U.S. soldiers who fought for the freedom of France and indeed most of Europe from the Nazis and so we don't have any apologies to make to the rest of the world out there in terms of our track record when it comes to supporting our allies. And I realize that there's always going to be this nitpicking about well, whether whether or not President Trump has ever said the right thing yet or committed to this one element or said this or said that. But we don't. he doesn't need to say it. We've proven it time and time again when it comes to uh, what we've done, how we've done it and our commitment and the blood and treasure that we've shed for, indeed, the rest of the world. So this is not a situation that we need to be very sensitive to. Everything working out over there, man, or what's up, man? Okay. Okay. What, the stream or the Facebook? Just the video part. Everything sounds fine. I'm just trying to figure it out. Okay. Choppy. Is it choppy? Yeah. Just the video. Okay. we got to figure that out at some point. So we've got the – the European Union President Donald Tusk, who went out and gave the speech uh, for kind of the opening of this uh, NATO summit. And it was interesting to see how the differing news operations decided to report on his speech. And of course, the U.S. media, aptly described by President Trump as the enemy media, often reflexively takes on 
the position of anybody who is critical of the U.S. The news media applauds, encourages, and rewards countries and other media outlets from other countries that attack the United States of America. And it's because the U.S. media tends to, in a kind of a weird kind of way, extend this low self-esteem that Americans have had for a long time, and that is that anything European must be automatically more excellent than anything American. Anything from a foreign country must automatically be superior to anything from the United States of America. Any accent, except when it's Melania's, by the way, any accent coming out of somebody's mouth must be superior uh, to the uh, American dialect. It's interesting how uh, we used to have this love affair with foreign accents until Melania came along. Then, of course, it's a point of derision, but... You know, one thing I never understood, though, there was a back in the day, rock stations and some of these alternative stations, they loved to have like that token Brit doing their KLOS Los Angeles. They were synonymous with that on-air talent, with the British. Uh, In fact, they're all on uh, satellite first wave now, channel 33, the old KLOS talent yeah. you're talking about yeah. yeah they're all there they're all all the british australian well i guess the one time where it was pretty evident that uh the brits kind of had something on us was when the the beatles came along and the rolling stones but 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 even the rolling stones and the beatles uh both stole well it didn't steal but both mimicked and 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 cut their teeth on the american Rock and roll music. I mean, they, oh. they, everybody they learned from and everybody who basically they modeled their music after were American. Little Richard, in Elvis. The end. Yeah. So, Chuck Berry. But still, I mean, I guess I'll give the Brits that. So the, the whole British invasion thing, I get it. But nonetheless, it really wasn't really a British invasion as much as it was a British invasion of Brits their interpretation. playing American music. Exactly. Their interpretation of yeah, American music. Kind of what that was. But anyway, I'm not knocking the Beatles. I've never you know, been obsessed with them like some other people have. But nonetheless, I, uh, I would, you have to give them credit for all that. Anyway, so when, they, when it came time for the news media to report on the European Union President Donald Tusk's speech, he had a few things to say that were interesting to them and some things that he said were not interesting to them at all. And let's take, for instance, ABC and NBC, who and, – and you got to kind of um, – I'm going to play it a couple times because the guy's accent is kind of hard to decipher. I wish he would speak clear English, but he's not English. So You can't press one for clear he's, English? You can't. You can't. No. You, oh. you really can't. But nonetheless – he tries uh, valiantly, and he speaks – at least he's speaking in, in English. So we we got to give him that. You wouldn't do a five-minute monologue making fun of him, though. No, I wouldn't. I, I'm, right. I, I'm not even doing that. Right, exactly. Some would. I mean, I, I guess you got to give the Europeans credit, too, because they do like, – like, like if you go to France or Italy, and I'll be over in Italy next weekend, but – you go over there, and in in France, oftentimes they do want you to speak French, but you don't have to. 
But like if a French person came here and sat down at Whataburger and started speaking French, no one would be able to understand them. So you have to give the Europeans a little bit of credit for their patience with Americans. True. Who come over and, and, and don't know a lick of their language. No. You know. Je m'appelle Etienne. Yeah, whatever that means. My name is Steve. No, that's Palatian is Steve. Etienne is a French closest word for Steve, according to my French teacher. Fascinating. Uh, yeah. Okay. But you don't. But 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 you have to understand that the Euros do have a certain level of patience for us Americanos. Absolutely. Although the French tend not to really, you know. I'm only going to be in Paris on a stopover. So I'm, I'm going from uh, how long? Like an hour and a half. Then I'm flying to Florence. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to Detroit first, and then Detroit to Paris, <laughs> and then uh, and then d- uh, Paris to Florence. Why are you laughing? Just the contrast of Detroit to Paris. <clears throat> well, let me tell you this. At least Detroit has a direct flight to Paris. Amen to that. You, you, you got to give Detroit credit for that. Our city used to be able to do that. Atlanta nonstop. does too. Oh, TWA, nonstop, Paris to St. Louis well, in the 70s and 80s. It wasn't only TWA, brother. I know it. American Airlines. Yeah. Because I flew American Airlines from St. Louis to Paris in 2001. Directly to Paris in 2001. It's a shame. I'm just saying, you can laugh all you want about Detroit, but at least they fly direct to Paris. They have good local TV news. Too. Although I did see, I have seen a lot of the uh, Wow Airlines around. That, that seems like a pretty good deal. That Wow Airlines. Yeah, I like. We it. can fly to. I guess you got to just go through Iceland, right? And then you're on your way, right? That's what I. That's what Katie Jamberitz told me. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean that that's pretty groovy for like ninety nine bucks or something. Stop over in Iceland. All right, so anyway, the news media, and we're talking about ABC and NBC. The the head of the European Union is speaking about the United States and is and he starts off with, Dear America, appreciate your allies. After all, you don't have that many. That's That was the first line of this bid here. Now, keep in mind that that's all that the news media, at least ABC and NBC, decided to play for you. We'll do it again here. President of the European Council, a stern warning. Dear America, appreciate your allies. After all, you don't have that many. So, obviously, there are situations where uh, there must be another line after that. And you're thinking to yourself, why didn't they choose to play that other that other line. I and don't... Ian Cannell joined us tonight from Brussels. Today, the president of the EU firing back. The America, appreciate your allies. After all, you don't have that many. So that was the favorite line of ABC and NBC and indeed most of the news media there. They, they liked that line. It's a line. bigger backdrop for the president's four-country trip, all culminating in a high-stakes face-to-face in Helsinki with Russia's President Vladimir Putin. Only five of 29 NATO countries, including the U.S., spent the... Now we're going to go to CBS News. And we're going to see how CBS News reported on the very same speech that you just heard ABC and NBC report on. 
Sorry to end a sentence in a preposition, but I didn't. Did I now? No. So keep in mind, Donald Tuck, the president of the EU, had a speech, and his first lines were, Dear America, appreciate your allies. After all, you don't have that many. That was the only part of the speech that ABC and NBC decided that they were going to tell you about. So now let us go into what, what's going on. Is there something going on here? Mike's here. Okay. All right. Um, so, so we have this speech going on, and then you have uh, CBS decides they're going to report on the very same speech. So let's see what CBS included in their report on the very same speech. 2% of gross domestic product on defense, the NATO standard. The president has lashed out at countries that fall short. And we're the schmucks that are paying for the whole thing. Today, European Council President Donald Tusk urged Mr. Trump to soften his rhetoric. Now, keep in mind, we just heard from NBC and ABC a part of this speech by Mr. Tuck that only included the lines, Dear America, appreciate your allies. After all, you don't have that many. And they cut the speech off at that point, right? So CBS decides they're doing the very same story. It's interesting what they decided to do when it came time to talk about this speech and about the contents of it and indeed about the contributions of many of our NATO allies to their defense spending. Dear America, appreciate your allies. After all, you don't have that many. Wait, there's another line. Did you know that? You wouldn't have known that if you only watched NBC and ABC. And dear Europe spend more on your defense And dear Europe, spend more on your defense. It's interesting how NBC, ABC, both willfully, on purpose, cut out that line in the speech. The president of the European Council, a stern warning. Dear America, appreciate your allies. After all, you don't have that many. Yeah. And and he didn't, and and he said more. Soften his rhetoric. And they didn't include it. Appreciate your allies. After all, you don't have that many. And the Europe spend more on your defense. So why is it that NBC and ABC decided they were going to willfully edit out a key part of the European Union's speech? Well, because the key part that he included as his second letter, for which is the one, Dear America, then Dear Europe, because it confirms what President Trump has been saying all along, and that is that NATO doesn't contribute enough to its defense spending. And that's something that Donald Trump has said time and time and time again. And yet, when it came time for the European Union president to confirm what President Trump has been saying, instead of including it, NBC and ABC decided to absolutely just lop it off altogether. And so kudos to CBS, at least, for including all that and, and, and even doing a story on the relative contributions that Europe is making to defense spending. Just off the cuff, this is 
just speculation, but someone at CBS has a more mature, level-headed decision-making in their newsroom and not a millennial. And someone has decided at CBS that they're not simply going to be utilizing a trip made by the president as another campaign for Hillary Clinton or for the left. And again, it's a, that's a key part of this guy's speech was where – because because the headlines were all that the European Union guy was scolding uh, the United States of America. They, 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 were, they were claiming that this guy was scolding. But, you know, he, he did scold the United States of America for you don't have that many. I get it. But he also scolded the European folks for not putting enough money up for their defense. And to excise that was completely irresponsible. And thank goodness for – organizations like Newsbusters and beyond for absolutely deciding they're going to go ahead and uh, make this comparison so that you know exactly just how corrupt the media is. So when President Trump calls the news media the enemy media, and by the way, MSNBC cut it off and CNN cut it off too. Shocking. So they all decided not to tell you uh, that the European Union president said something more and indeed confirmed the, the the position of President Trump that the Euros are not spending enough on their own defense. But that's your news media for you. That's how it all that's how it all works out. National Millennial Broadcast Network. You know, here's the thing though. I I I, I know you keep talking about these millennials, but I, I'm telling you, it's not just millennials. I mean, it's it's people, it's grown adults who are who are perpetrating this too. I get it, but they get in the bubble. They're in when I call the bubble, the newsroom. They're just feeding each other. Yes, true. But, but and they're growing. The millennials yes. are growing. But in look at all these media. But look at all these these older white people who. Uh, liberals who are running the show, for instance, at Facebook, and those and those guys are all those guys aren't necessarily millennials. These are these are like grown people. I, I saw a little ad, by the way, on Facebook the other day, and it was right before one of the videos that I played. I can't remember which one it is, but Facebook was bragging about how. Uh, we here at Facebook are now changing the way we're operating as we head into the election. We have now a, you know, truth meter and, you know, all this kind of stuff that they're telling us about. Because I'm telling you, these guys are not going to allow what happened in November of 2016 or the run up to it to happen again. They've caught on and they're not going to allow this to happen again. No. If they can help it. I don't think they can help it. I don't think you can really stop the movement. But when you hear about Facebook's all their newfangled ways of doing things, we've got a new approach, ladies and gentlemen. It's like, <laughs> oh, sure you do. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want to admit it. Yeah. That's why I mean, on July 4th, when somebody tried to put up a copy of the Declaration of Independence or, or have words from the Declaration of Independence, they were flagged as hate speech. That's amazing. I mean, that's that's scary. Yeah. I was interested in in speaking of millennials, who you got to give them credit for this, and that is they've come up with all different kinds of new platforms 
that we as conservatives can use now, okay? And have you heard of Roku? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I had a conversation with, um, with and I realized that I'm probably way behind the times. I'm sure everybody out there is like, yeah, what are you talking about? Like, you, you just discovered that? And I actually kind of have. So I was talking to Doug Giles uh, and some of his folks over at Clash Daily TV. And so Radio Free Alban is kind of going to be working with Clash Daily TV to uh, create a different platform for you to view conservative thought. I mean, MRC TV is kind of like that. They've got a no one's going to pull the plug on something that Mark Levin is going to say because MRC TV is its own broadcasting platform. Correct. I mean, I think they're on like uh, Netflix and Hulu and those kinds of things. Apple. Apple. And so all these platforms have been developed, by the way, by millennials. So, you know, to their credit. And nowadays, if you uh, look at your. 13 year old or your 15 year old or whatever they are uh all basically uh getting all their tv shows and everything else off of their devices They're, the idea of sitting in front of a television just doesn't happen anymore i mean unless no. you a live event yeah right that's pretty much where broadcast television is gone right they get the live event everything else is on a tablet phone or a at the consumers, viewers' uh, timing. So conservatives have decided that what they're going to do is uh, utilize these other platforms. And and so to sometimes exist, and although we haven't really, I haven't had a problem. Radio Free Allman hasn't had much of a problem on Facebook uh, with censorship or uh, them pulling off videos. In fact, the the, the only issue that we've ever had is of course with the with, with the music that's pretty yeah. much it and that's a licensing yeah industry thing so i'm i've been i've been kind of lucky in that regard but i i do have to tell you that that for the most part clash daily tv some of these other more well-known you know the michelle malkins of the world and others uh, they they would have a problem existing on Facebook as shows or whatever because Facebook's onto them and will start to flag them and flag their stuff. So these new platforms like Roku and Hulu and Netflix are all great places for conservatives to kind of start hanging out. So Facebook can do all at once to try to figure out ways to censor. I do have to tell you, it's a little more complicated, and you, it takes a little more patience to, to to do it. So oftentimes, Facebook is the go-to place. But if they start to pull the plug on messaging and all that kind of stuff, keep in mind, we have other outlets and other places yeah. to go. I have a little uh, experiment maybe somebody wants to try. So if the Views Facebook page has Joy Behar's erroneous, false statement about Trump being able to uh, appoint a Supreme Court justice because he's, quote, investigation is just wrong. Could someone on the other end flag that as fake news, and will Facebook pull that? No. Let's have somebody out there go and try. Margaret? Yeah, yeah. Or, or, <laughs> or somebody. But, but no, they, 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 they probably would not do that. No. 
Hey, coming up, folks, we have one of our brand new sponsors of the show, and they are Santino Cigars and Cocktails right there off of Vogel Road in beautiful Arnold. So uh, Mike Marino and Shannon are going to be coming in. We're going to have a little fun with all of that. And also, we're going to talk to Jim Talent, going to give him a shout here on Skype in just a few and talk to him about how this whole confirmation process is ultimately going to go. And ladies and gentlemen, they captured a giant alligator. Now you know why Martians don't ever set foot on this earth because what they'll do is they'll be wrapped up in a rope and tied up and displayed on the cover of USA Today. Now you know why. Yeah, they captured a big alligator, the most, the, the, uh, a gigantic alligator. Now, normally you'd say, wow, that's a gigantic alligator. Uh, amazing. Let's take pictures and leave it alone. Not on this earth. They find the big gigantic octopi or alligators and they immediately kill them. We're brilliant. Mike Marino has a special surprise for you. Nice. Yep. Love that guy. Love Santino cigars and cocktails. They have your bottle, people there. Beautiful Arnold. Maybe expanded to St. Charles County if all of you make the right decisions. When it comes to the smoking ban, that's right. So you and your bagpipes, get your asses down to Santino's Cigars and Cocktails. Immediatamente. Got it? We're in the DiscoveryDesign.com studios. Radio Free Almond. Love y'all. Come on now. Sharp, welcome to the Facebook feed. I was just informed by uh, Gia Valenti that Margaret overslept, apparently, and everybody was panicking because Margaret wasn't on the Facebook feed right off the top at the 6 o'clock hour. 
And so people are going, what, what happened to Margaret? What happened to Margaret? See, Margaret, the impact you have had on the Radio Free Alma Nation. People were actually concerned about her. And, for, you know, she overslept. Fascinating. I, well, it is fascinating. I know you're bored by it, but it's fast. These are my people here, Steve. And she apparently overslept and wasn't immediately on the Facebook feed. And now she is. So... First of all, good morning this morning, Margaret. How are you? And it must have been a wild night you had last night over down over at the Kirkwood Walmart, because I don't know what you guys were doing, but whatever happened, you did you you, you, you went on a bender, did you? They're twenty four seven for a reason. That's right, people. So here's the deal, that's that's the thing. I think I know what you gotta do now. You gotta get you, you got to get an old school song and the algorithms won't won't catch up. Do you think that's the key, man? Let's play some play some Casey classics or something. Although this isn't actually Casey classic, but speaking of classics, I've got a couple of classics in the studio with me right now. Yep. Mike Marino and Shannon, they are the awesome proprietors there down in Arnold at Santino Cigars and Cocktails, and I'd like to welcome both of them to the show. Come on in. Hi, people. Hello. Love your place. Thank you so much for your sponsorship of Radio Free Allman. I was thinking about you the other day because I saw this story uh, about a guy who uh, was pulled over for uh, drunken driving, and he told the police that he really wasn't drinking while driving, that he only drank while he was at a stop sign or a stoplight. That was the only time he ever really actually uh, took a sip of his bourbon or whatever was when he was actually stopped. A man of true intelligence. <laughs> that, was, that, was his, that was his excuse. He probably knows what the definition of is. is. <laughs> right on, Shannon. Hey, by the way, you guys have a couple of things going on here. Uh, first of all, oh, what? Did, yeah, my shirt. shirt. Here's your shirt. Let me see this thing. Oh, look at this, you guys! Now, uh, Matt, do we have the ability to bring that uh, to bring that little camera in here? Absolutely. Brother. So uh, this is a, so. Do I? Is this what I wear every time I go down to Santino's? You can wear it whenever you like. I love it, man. Actually, this is wear it when you're not at Santino's. <laughs> oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, Shannon's like that's the point, Jamie. Is oh, right. you're supposed to, you know, you're already there. So. <laughs> why are you wearing this? Down, you know? I was just thinking maybe it was like my my Santino's uniform, you know. Mm-hmm. That I could I could start bartending down there. Although Jen would probably get angry at me, mad at me. All right. So speaking of Jen, I'm gonna get. A, how's she doing, by the way? Great, She's great, great. She's a great bartender down there. Even though I didn't meet your other ones, uh, uh, but but because uh, I was just down there that one night. But I'll get there's, down there again. There's another Jen 2.0 and Aaron and Chelsea. Jen 2.0 and Aaron and Chelsea down there at Santino's Santino Cigars and Cocktails. And I love my. How does this How does this look, you guys? Pretty good. Looks great. It's perfect. I look. I look a little like. Uh, I look a little like Mike. Mm. What's uh, what's what did I just hear happen Better with the microphone? Better hurry up and take it off. Then. Better hurry up and take it off. What I just. Uh, oh, there we go. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this looks pretty good. Let me look at the back. Can you see the back there? Yeah, here I go. I'm switching mm-hmm. to this little handheld camera here. Yeah. All right. I suddenly have feedback in my microphone. I don't know what that what what just happened there, but uh, you guys might have turned up one of the other mics and it and it uh, it's blowing. Okay, yeah, yeah. Just get a little closer to the mic, there, Shannon. How's it look? Pretty good. Yeah. Now that's not the only surprise that Santino's has uh, has brought with them. 
You guys, I'm going to hang this in the studio. You want to kind of uh, see about lighting this up? Let me see. Here. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to light that up, baby. Here. Put that right there. And uh, let's take this. Cool. And you can plug it in. Groovy. Beautiful. Oh, Whoa! Look at this thing. Now you're cooking this with Crisco. Is aw- this is awesome. Mm-hmm. Can I put it right here? Let me put it right there. Here, I'm going to take these off. I'll start by the dimmer. Oh, you, so you, there's a dimmer on there, too? It's a separate cord. Oh, it's a separate cord. Let me see. Let me see. But you can do that after. Put this over here. This falls and breaks. I'm going to be in deep trouble. Yes, you will. All right, here, I'll, here's what I'll do. Put it up here. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> Just for this interview, I'll put it right up here. Perfect. There we go. Look at that. That's great. How's it look? That's awesome. Great. Damn, y'all. It turned out really well. It really did. So you guys had that had that made? Yes. Had that made just for you. Your wow. This is my command. I, lo- I love it. Now, uh, so that's groovy. What do you guys think of that? It'd be great. Now, so what we're doing is we're um, we are retooling the studio. So we're going to make kind of a brand new uh, studio here at Gaslight. And so it's going to be in a different area. So once we get everything brand new by the end of the summer, we will have everything uh, perfectly displayed, including our dis- Discovery Design banner and then also the Santino's sign. Yeah, and, and, and the Emmy I gave to Steve for discovering that the uh, the white people loaned the big scissors to the black people for the arch uh, oh ribbon cutting. That, that's, that was a discussion from a while back uh, ago. So how are things going down there at Santino's? It's great, great. You guys hearing from any people from Radio Free Almond? We did the very first night. As soon Good. as I got back, there was someone from Illinois that said he listens to you every day and had to come by and see it. Love and it. I think it's uh, it's never stopped. It's been a good flow of people coming in. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. You guys have done such a great job with it. And it's very distinctive when it comes to uh, our, our general view of cigar bars. And, and Shannon, you know this. I, I'm not trying to make, you know, because women smoke cigars, obviously, and, and, and enjoy going to these places. But the reality is there are a lot of people, couples generally don't really go to a cigar bar. Normally, because there's options for the, the ladies to drink or do whatever. Uh, but because you get smoke all over you, you don't feel like going. And Santino's, you guys invested in a filtration system that is just unbelievable. Yeah, I think we've broke, broken several molds. You know, sometimes you think of a cigar bar or a cigar lounge and you think it's stuffy, it's a little clicky. We don't have that issue. You know, people come, they love the place, come from all races, parts of the city, everywhere, and everybody melds into a a great time, right? Smoking a cigar, having a cocktail, and having a great conversation. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, I'm really blessed that we have a really different atmosphere and our that's very is, friendly. Our clientele is really friendly and welcoming, too. Um, they'll introduce themselves. The bartenders introduce themselves. Um, you know, Customers we, will help you select a cigar right. yeah, or a yeah, cocktail. Yeah. I noticed that when I was down there, because I met a few people, and it was really interesting, the diversity of the crowd down there. You had a few people who came in from uh, the nearby military installation, that little place there. Right. I met a couple of uh, 
great uh, Navy veterans. Actually, they're still in the Navy, but they're working. And, and a couple, they were just getting married. Are they back yet? I, I don't know. They, they are. Were, they're back, no. but they're they? about to leave for their uh, wedding in a couple of days. Okay. All right. Because, uh, yeah, they're getting. Turks and Caicos. Right. Exactly. So that was. Pirate-themed wedding. Yeah, pirate-themed <laughs> wedding. And it was pretty cool. But, the, but that's a typical example of where you're going to just meet people uh, from all different walks of life and, and uh, couples down there and just and, – and guys who want to – drink a PBR after work, whatever. Uh, but still, if you want the high end, you can go as high or low as you want, so to speak. Uh, I was interested because I'm, I'm generally, I, I've gotten into whiskeys and you guys have some great selections of whiskeys that uh, Yippie Kaye is yes, outstanding. I'll buddy. tell you, we have a, about 400 whiskeys in, in all the categories. And, um, you know, you, you can come in and sample a flight at a discounted price and find out what you like. Um, you know, I think we have the number one scotch and bourbon selection kind of in this metropolitan area. Um, and dovetailing back on a previous point of, of couples, and, and I wanted to really expand on that because women do smoke. There is a whole contingent of women in the community that love a cigar, and the reason they like coming to my place, like you mentioned, was they're not going to reek of heavy cigar smoke in their clothes or hair. And that's why we find we get... A lot of nice couples, um, a lot of dates yeah. come out to our yeah. place. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you're looking for that rare bourbon or scotch, we have it. You know what I'm amazed too by? And, and normally you go into like a cigar bar or a lounge and oftentimes it seems kind of dark and, and, and you don't want to go into a bar that's like – bright either but whatever reason you guys kind of nailed the whole lighting there which i i'm i mean i'm i'm kind of like really particular about lighting sometimes and i got to tell you when it comes to these uh the, these dark denny type of things i really ugh, i don't want to be there but you guys i walk in and it's beautifully lit i don't know what did you guys do this on purpose or how did you approach this thing absolutely lighting is really important i mean when you don't have good lighting you can really tell and when you do then maybe you don't notice it so yeah much. but um well one thing that i fought mike on in decorating the place was the there's like four sh- like petite chandeliers over the bar and he thought they were going to be too feminine but they're not they just end up looking really classy i get compliments on them all the time yeah they were not terribly expensive um but they just look great hanging over the bar and then michael put in this led light that's they're just ridiculous. I mean, you can, they're everywhere. They're yeah. around the bar. They're over the. They're in the ceiling, and you can. They change do, every color. You can do any color. You can have them pulse with a beat of the song. I mean, you can get them to do that, like running thing yeah. around the bar. I mean, it's it's comf- it's comfortable lighting. I mean, it's 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 like it's it's not too. Uh, in your face, but it's just this comfortable vibe that you guys created there, and it's really great. SantinoCigars.com. It's on Vogel Road, and I'll tell the story like I told the story before when Eric was here. I was supposed to meet with him for the first time I went down there. Uh, I, was, I was coming from the MAC in West County, and I thought I was running late, and the idea of coming from West County to Arnold seemed very intimidating to me because I, I've obviously been to Arnold before, but uh, I was thinking, well, it's a little bit before 6.30. I was supposed to be there at 6.30, and I was terrified. I was going to be like a half hour late. I was running late, whatever else. So I go ahead and put the Vogel Road address into my, my phone, 
and I'm I'm literally I'm I'm on DePere Road getting on to 270 uh, to to get down to to 55, and I'm 10 minutes away. I'm thinking that's only 10 minutes away from far the far reaches of West County. So any of you who think that Arnold somehow is you know remote or where because i mean some people just have that vibe even if you're in st charles county now speaking of st charles county you guys are wanting to eventually get out to st charles county correct we're currently looking to expand to a second location there's a high demand for the premium products that i serve and right now we're just kind of evaluating the locations and unfortunately we have to uh, add in the mix the laws the laws that prevent you to smoke and drink in a in the same location yeah, and, and, and that's coming up in November, correct? It's on the it November is ballot? November ballot in uh, St. Charles County. And, and that's what's so weird about uh, You'd think in this day and age, as we have so, we're so trying to focus more on freedom and on building our economy and everything else, some people are trying to turn the clock back. It's ridiculous. Well, and, the, and unfortunately, in St. Louis County, that that is the law. You cannot smoke and drink in the same location. So it's uh, it's, it's been it's been very disappointing to have the, the county without the ability to have an, a gem of an institution like mine because of a of a law that uh, prevents your freedom to choose. It's uh, it's it's almost um, absurd. Yeah, it, it absolutely is because you know in St. Louis County, especially, and I know that there might be some uh, organizations or some uh, places that are grandfathered in, but nonetheless, that just seems ridiculous. That that you, because I've always maintained, and this isn't uh, to be crabby about the thing, but really, you don't have the right as a citizen to go in to eat at any restaurant you want to. Obviously there are restrictions regarding, you know, being not being able to be there based on, you know, you get all the federal no civil rights laws. No uh, yeah, exactly. But but you don't you don't have the right to a smoke-free environment in a private establishment and if and if you don't like the smoke, don't go there. It's mm-hmm. pretty simple. Right. You know, I I I want to um go back to another point you had mentioned. I have to give a shout out to Southern Wine uh, and spirits and glaciers. Yeah, uh, Phil Thayer, the vice president there, who's a, a friend of mine. You know, if it wasn't for him and his company, this is precisely why we have the finest liquors in that come through the state of Missouri. Um, so, without their support, uh, and one thing we're doing next week, uh, we leave this Friday for Las Vegas for the International Cigar Convention. We get back the next day. We leave for Kentucky because we're bringing to Missouri the only barrel of Weller Antique 107, um, heading down on the 21st to Buffalo Trace to select our barrel. Yeah. So I'm bringing a really rare barrel of bourbon for the St. Louis community. It'll be the only one coming to Missouri. So uh, please go to our website, give us some feedback, let me know what you uh, might be interested in as far as how you'd like me to select it. So uh, uh, let me get this and, and, and pardon my, my ignorance here. So Buffalo Trace, I know, is a great whiskey. And so they make a different – the ma- distillery, they, they manufacture lots of different products okay. that, right, are, that are very, very sought after. Okay. Right. And so you guys are going to have your own barrel. So Preferably, the, like most people will recognize the, the um, antique collection of Buffalo Trace. That includes all your Pappy Van Winkles all the way down to Colonel E.H. Taylors and so forth. We're the only location in town that I know of 
that has every bottle of the antique collection on hand at any given time or for sale by bottle at any given time. Yeah, that's right. If people forget you can you can buy a bottle of liquor from you guys. That is correct. Nice. Pappy Van Winkle. I got you know, I've never had that before. I got to try some of that. Well, I won't get, well, I you'll won't, get some next time you're there. I won't hit you up for the $300 uh an No, ounce it's not one, that but. expensive. And that's the other thing. If anybody would happen to have just a couple of bottles out of the collection, no one is as inexpensive as I am. And that's kind of what we do. It's the best products for the best price with the best environment. Nice. And now when you guys bring the barrel back, what we ought to do is probably do a little happy hour down there. Would that, that be would okay? Be great. We, we won't drain we'll the barrel. select it on the 20th of this month, and then I'll get a estimated yeah. date of when it'll be delivered. That'd be great because I'd have love to, go to have back and bottle it and then ship it to us. We don't bring the barrel home. We actually get the barrel. Right, but we yes. don't. We don't take it with it. us. Yeah, right. And then, like, tap it. Yeah, right. And serve you right. That. Yeah, no, but you're right. I, I get it. But, that, but that'll be great. So we'll have to have some kind of celebration down there at Santino Cigars and Cocktails. And I have to tell you, as much as I, lo- I love all the varieties of, uh, of whiskeys there, but I am also an avid gin drinker. And I thought that I had covered all the bases when it came to uh, gins. Like, I thought I'd had. Every kind, the small batch kind, the whatever kind. But you guys had a gin there that I can't find anywhere else, by the way. Uh, and it's was, is it Monkey 47? Monkey 47. Yeah, that was good. Mm. I loved it. And one thing we, we took pride in is I took every category of liquor, whether it's vodka, gin, bourbon, rum, and I tried to select the rarest bottles in each category. We just happen to specialize in bourbon and scotch or over 65 craft beers. I tell, like I tell a lot of people, uh, why settle for corporate beer when you can have a great craft beer yeah. for essentially the same price? A lot of times it is the same price. Yeah. And that's what I call it. it it's corporate beer. Um, it's, it's quickly produced uh, with not a lot of flavor or taste. And at, at Santino's, we're constantly um, re- uh, revolving the whole beer selection. At any given time, we might have sixty-five different beers. Right, but so so and 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 if you are with a group of people and you're going down to Santino's, and there's that one dude who still likes the Budweiser. Mm-hmm. It's there. It's there. But you guys yeah. have the other kind of experimental. Right. That's correct. And then you can knock yeah. yourself out kind of tasting all these different. Right. Yeah, normally, yeah, you look at like a Bud Select or something, and, and generally that is what we would call an alcohol delivery system. You know, it's, <laughs> uh, it's more, it's more, you know, you're, you're just drinking them, you know, forever. Wow. But boy, I, I, I have to try the varieties down there for the, with, with the beer and then all the gins. So Glaciers is a, is a great operation. They've been around for a long time, correct? They have, they have, they, uh, the, the people there are great. I'm blessed to, you know, know the management, but they really take care of the customer. Um, they have the, the most sought after products, um, I'm a big fan. Good, good. They really take care of us, we'll have to which get them gives in here us sometime. the opportunity to give it right back to the to the public. Yeah, no doubt. Now, did you? What did you do before? Like, how did you all both decide? Hey, we're going to do this as a family. We're going to get this family run operation going. Uh, we're going to get a cigar bar and a, and a whiskey bar, cocktail bar going. What made you say, "Hey, we're going to do this"? I'll let you tell the story. What makes us? Do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mike, uh, do this. <laughs> Mike Well, how'd you come up with it? Well, um, he had sold a family business and he really wanted to take a break because he'd been working really hard for a long time and he needed to decompress and that was legitimate. But then it kind of went on and on 
We're like, you got to find something to do. We're running out of money with all your projects you're coming up with around here. So um, we were having a, we had like our first trip to the Caribbean in 20 years, something like that. We were going to Punta Cana, and Mike said he wanted to go get some cigars. Um, and I'm like, oh, great. What's that going to cost us? You know? So Mike goes big or goes home, as you can probably Right, know. yeah. So he comes home with all this stuff. I don't want to know how much it costs. Um, and then we get to Punta Cana, and um, he's really enjoying it. I mean, he's really liking it. And we come back, and we have a great trip, and we come back, and we start looking around for places we can hang out on our free time to have a cigar. And they're so limited. Um, we went to some places that we considered membership yeah. in, um, where they allowed us to come in just to check it out for an evening or whatever. And they were so boring. Yeah, and I, the one, I know. And the ones that weren't boring were really clicky. You, you, you just didn't feel welcome. No, I've been, and that been was, there. And that was the thing. We found a couple of great little gems, but it, it just wasn't a, 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 there wasn't a connection or a feel. And that's yeah. when I decided, you know, let's put the best place here and let's welcome everyone. And it's, and it's been a really overwhelmingly positive response um, to have a place that, People enjoyed it. They'll yeah. drive from all all parts of town to get a rare cocktail yeah. and cigar. It, and what's great about it, too, is it's very unassuming because I, I, I compare it to a, a, a speakeasy. I hope you guys don't mind that because you, you look at the where it is. It's kind of in a strip mall type of place, but you, and you can see the storefront, but it doesn't tell the story of what's Inside and what Santino's is all about, right. so I think that's pretty cool. You kind of walk I, in, you're like, have, "Wow!" Yeah, we I have think people your that reaction come in weekly that will literally say, "I live around here and I didn't know this was here." Yeah, but and they know, don't expect it to be so over the top and nice and luxurious and relaxing. Yeah, because you know, as you said, it's unassuming from the outside. Yeah, yeah. I love I love the fact that you call it relaxed because it, re- it actually really is. It's a really cozy, comfortable, great vibe. The people there. Uh, you, you meet you seemingly meet new people all the time, and and just just a, just a nice, friendly, almost like a cheersy atmosphere. Mm-hmm. To, to tell you the truth, right. it's kind of fun uh, to go in there. And you're right about the clickiness of some of these places. You go in, and, you, and it's like people are looking at you, like you know, I'm like, I'm, do I owe you money or something? Why are you looking at me like that? But so I, I love I love the whole vibe of and Santino's. Unfortunately, that's a little stigma yeah. about cigar bars, and I hope we break that. You do. On the other hand, though, if you did want to come in and work on your laptop or um, just chill on your own, yeah. there is there is a place for that. You can sit off to the side. There's plenty of different seating that's you know not secluded, per yeah. se, but you know you don't have to be in the mix and Right. I don't feel like meeting and everybody and talking. I noticed it. I noticed a couple of people, you know, who had to kind of dip out for a phone call or something, but you still, they, they weren't really going outside of the place, but they're just areas where you can make it whatever you want to make it. If you want to make it just a big social hour for yourself or for your folks, great. And if you just want to chill for a little bit after work or do whatever, uh, great place. But thank you guys so much for your support thank of the show. And man, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you guys who are uh, supporting Radio Free Almond. And, folks, I'm telling you, if you were looking for a place to hang out and and to uh, enjoy your family, enjoy your friends, and enjoy a great cigar 
and enjoy a great cocktail. Santino's is the place to go. And it's even better because they're supporters of Radio Free Almond. And I want you guys to make sure you support those businesses who are supporting Radio Free Almond. We are stacking them up as we build the Radio Free Almond network. And so hopefully you'll, you will reward them and, and their contributions because it's not easy advertising, marketing. It's not easy even running a small business for that matter. Uh, so this is going the extra mile. So I appreciate you guys. The sign is beautiful. Thank you. That is really a nice-looking sign. Take that home. Oh, no, I'm going to take it. I, I promise I won't take it. I'm just, but it, it's really – it's, it's great. So we're going to hang that uh, proudly in the Radio Free Almond studio here, and then once we build up, and then, of course, I will probably wear my Santino cigars and cocktail shirt. Let me see the back of this again. This looks pretty – It's really detailed. Yeah, it really it's is. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, we've got a great guy doing it. And I think the fabric feels really nice. It's not like polyester and scratchy. It's yeah. It's along the um, – Tommy Bahama my line. Was, my dad was in town, and he wears Tommy Bahamas, and I compared it to his, and it may be slightly thicker than the one that he had, but yeah. the same silky texture that's – really comfortable. Well, you know, we talked about that a little bit because I have the Radio Free Almond shirts and the hats and I got to get you guys. I'm, I'm, I'll I get, oh, you do? I'll yeah. set you guys up. With, uh, we have some tanks that you'll love right. too that are in different colors. I'll, I'll make sure I get those to you so I can come down and, and hang out and, and deliver that stuff to you. But we talked about the difference between like your investment and stuff and what that says about your company and what you're doing. And so we, there are people who choose a t-shirt that's like cotton that nobody's going to wear because it's not comfortable so we chose the tri-blend and so it's nice this nice mm-hmm. kind of silky kind of feel but it says a lot about your company and a lot about who you are when you uh as shannon said go big or stay home so i like that whole uh that whole i that whole concept so uh shannon mike marino thank you guys thank so you. much thank you appreciate your support santinoscigars.com is where it's at they have your bottle that's for sure so love you guys thank you so much appreciate it SantinoCigars.com. We are live from the Discovery Design Studios. Let up in the dark There you stand before me All that thought
Good morning this morning from the Discovery Design Studios, discoverydesigninc.com. And what a great crew they are over at Santino's. Absolutely. Good people. Yeah. And, you, and you're kind of aware of that kind of that, that sometimes that clicky cigar bar-y type of thing. I've been in it. Uh, no offense to some of these other guys out there because people running running good operations out there. I yeah. get it. But, uh, but, but still, try it out. Tr- try out Santino's and you'll see. Uh, a really uh, cool difference in how things uh, how things flesh out. By the Love way, the Stephen Church, uh, I did uh, task Stephen with an investigation, and uh, I made a reference earlier that you all might might have not have caught on to because we talked about it right at the beginning of the show. It has been determined because I was wondering about this, and lo and behold, I, my instincts were right. I knew that the black people gigantic scissors for the ribbon cutting were the white people's gigantic scissors from the ribbon cutting. So, so once again, uh, I'm sure Whitey and Lida Crusin and all the white liberals there in the city of St. Louis were celebrating the fact that they once again helped the black people of St. Louis by loaning their big pair of scissors That's for correct. the black people arch ribbon cutting ceremony. They look exactly the same. Now, unless they got them from the same store... I don't know. I'm going to call Jim Talon here because uh, on Skype. Hang on a second. For crying, where's my Skype thing? People, here, hold on. Da, da, da. Good morning this morning. I bet you they're going to. Oh no, they're not. Awesome. I think they're going to make me sign in again. I think the key is playing Peter Gabriel. They don't take Peter Gabriel off. They play. They take Kenny Loggins off. They kick us off Facebook for Kenny Loggins, but not for Peter Gabriel. There's artists out there that's very anti ASCAP BMI ish, and um, I know Prince was. He fought the industry a lot with stuff like that, and Warner Brothers back in the day. So perhaps Peter Gabriel's in that lane that so Prince always, was once in. Song always makes me think of you. The book of love is long and boring. You no. no one can lift the dancing. It's full of charts and facts and figures and instructions for dancing. Yes, Stephen. Yes. Thank you, Jamie. You're welcome. I love it when you read to me. I do I really do? I love it when you. Investigate gigantic scissors for me. I'm looking out for you. I'm on your side. I'm coverage you can count on. Dave Murray retired. Good morning this morning. Yeah. Hi, hi, Jim Talon. How are you, buddy? 
I'm fine, Jamie. How are you? I'm doing great. But, man, I'll tell you what, this whole uh, Brett Kavanaugh thing is driving the left nuts. Although, you know what, I'm, I'm sensing, and maybe I'm wrong here, Jim Talent, I'm sensing that this might not be as hard as some people might think it will be, or am I underestimating the uh, obstruction, uh, obstructive nature of the left and the, and the Chuck Schumer gang? How do you think this is going to go? I think you're underestimating it a little bit, although it, it, it's, right, it's possible that you're both right and wrong. It's possible that uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, this is this is going to move along the procedural course and, you know, at every phase, there's not going to be a whole lot of suspense, but that's not going to be because uh, the opposition isn't hysterically intense. I mean, we're already seeing it and um, it's, it's, it's kind of laughable. Uh, I'm sure you saw the stories about the press release that said, we protest the appointment of, Judge X, right? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> it didn't matter yeah. who he picked. It didn't matter who he picked. They were going to say all this uh, about him or her, and uh, it just it just shows that they see this as an enormous struggle uh, for power, for raw power, and they're going to respond in that fashion. The irony is, of course, that um, Kavanaugh. Of certainly of all, well, I think probably of all the possible picks is the person who uh, is going to be the most faithful in confining the judicial power to what we always understood to be the judicial role. And uh, one of the things I kind of hope is that in the course of of the hearings, uh, Kavanaugh is able to talk about that and maybe use it as a moment uh, to uh, to sort of relearn a little bit of civic education here. I posted a, an article that was written by presumably somebody from the liberal end. He he did title it the liberal case for Brett Kavanaugh, and it was a the writer was a Yale University professor, law professor, and he said, "Here's how you do it: you just open up the questioning a little bit and uh, allow." For a discussion of past court cases, apparently he was maintaining that that there's no other justice out there, no other nominee that could be more superior in terms of credentials than Brett Kavanaugh. And he defied any Democrat to come up with two names that would be superior to Brett Kavanaugh. But he also pointed out that the confirmation hearing process is seemingly way too stuffy and restrictive. And that that a uh, nominee should be actually uh, open to and even allowed to and even encouraged to discuss how they might have ruled in past cases or even current cases. What do you think about that? Well, again, it goes to what you think the judicial role is. And, you know, maybe we can just take a minute or two, Jamie. We have some time yeah. uh, to discuss that because it. It's sort of the background for my answer to that. So classically, uh, what judges do is decide uh, disputes over the law and, in some cases, facts uh, in a in a case between two parties based on uh, laws or rules that are established by the other branches of government. Uh, 
Okay, so when, when, when I was in the legislature or the Congress or the Senate, I voted on laws, and you, you, know, you, you have to consider different equities and interests, and you have to balance them uh, you know, with a sensitivity to what your people want, and you have to understand the upsides and downsides, and you have to make a decision, and you earn the right to make those decisions by running for office. And you, you know, you are open to, uh, to questioning, obviously to criticism, uh, and then the people express a judgment about whether they want to represent you. That's how you get the right to do that. Okay. So judges haven't done that. And that means they don't get to, to write the laws. They're supposed to interpret the laws that other people Right. Now, the Supreme Court's a special case because it interprets the Constitution, and there are many parts of the Constitution that are not, um, you know, where it's not obvious what the right interpretation is, where reasonable people could disagree. But if you, if you place as a priority in making that decision the text of the Constitution in light of the understanding of it when it was written, which is what Kavanaugh does, okay, then that constrains your discretion. You can't just say the Constitution is whatever I think it is, okay? So there may not be one obviously right answer, but there are wrong answers, okay? And that's Kavanaugh's view of his judicial role. That's the reason, for example, that Justice Scalia voted uh, to strike down laws banning flag burning. I mean, he didn't like flag burning, and if he was in the legislature, he'd have voted for those laws. But his understanding of the Constitution, and I think he was probably right, is that that violated the First Amendment. Okay, so uh, if that's what you think the judicial role is, then you're not going to ask a judge how he's or a nominee how he's going to vote on a case where he hasn't even heard the argument. See what I'm saying? Uh, you may look at his background to see his judicial philosophy to see how he might approach such a case, but you're not. But it's not the same as an election. See, when I was running for office, you could ask me, how are you going to vote on this or that or the other thing? But uh, this, it's supposed to be a different function. And um, unfortunately, we're tending to view it like political elections. And, and so I think we, we, it should still be a judicial role, which means we probably should not ask those questions, although you can certainly ask about a person's judicial philosophy, and that's going to give you a clue. How's that for a long answer? Uh, huh? No, I mean, no, I, I'm not, I think I, I think it's perfect. I mean, listen, the 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 whole flag. I've, we've always maintained, and I think Scalia really nailed it in that decision that you know liberty really wasn't designed to be easy. Uh, you, you know, under under the construct that the founding fathers uh, wanted for this country, there are a lot of things that we might not like or might not even want to tolerate that we must uh, if, if we are to maintain the focus on true liberty. And so, yeah, there's going to be some things that we have to put up with that otherwise uh, we wouldn't if we had the choice. Uh, but, but because we're, we set ourselves at a higher standard, uh, we do go ahead and, and say this is what we have to deal with. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example, okay? It's a hypothetical because I'm not a judge, okay? But when the Obamacare case went up for the Supreme Court and the question was, is it constitutional? One issue was, can, can the Congress ever exercise its power under the Commerce Clause to require people to buy something? And I obviously would have voted against Obamacare and, 
I'm, I'm, I take some satisfaction in the fact that all my predictions about it turned out to be correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it was terrible policy. I'm not so sure I would have voted to say that Congress can never, uh, in the exercise of its power over interstate commerce, require people to buy something. I mean, for example, uh, the Congress requires that automobile dealers put seatbelts and airbags into cars, right, which effectively requires you to buy them. Right? They just manufacture, they just regulate the, the manufacturer rather than the consumer. I'm not sure that it's a, a matter of constitutional law. I would have said Congress has no power to do that, even though I, I think the exercise of that power in that case was, was clearly wrong and harmful to the American people. Stupid laws are not necessarily unconstitutional laws. Okay, And Kavanaugh maintains those kinds of distinctions. And it's really important if you, if you believe the separation of powers and the distribution of authority within a constitutional government is important. And what I say when I talk privately to my friends on the left is they should really care about that, okay, because they have as much at stake in the long term as we do. And part of this is, is the chickens coming home to roost because people like me have been warning them for years and years that, you know, you, you make the court into a kind of super legislature. You're not guaranteed to always be able to control the, the, the membership of it, right? And it's, it's coming back to roost now. Now, I don't think that's a problem because I don't think people like Kavanaugh and Thomas are going to impose their own policies on the people in the guise of, of deciding cases. But um, that's the direction we're headed in if the left gets what it wants. You know, speaking of that and, and, and Obamacare, I, I, I see that the new tactic of the left and, and of Democrats yeah, they they think that they I think they've come to the conclusion this abortion thing isn't gonna stick because people aren't really convinced that Roe versus Wade would be overturned anyway. So they've decided that they were going to go and 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 do the health care rep uh, and and threaten Americans with the possibility that Obamacare will be wiped away by the Supreme Court. And in considering what you just said, do you think that that's a legit thing, or is this just a, just a tactic on the part of the Democrats to give some people something to be scared about in the midterms? Well, yeah, I think it's the latter, uh, because I doubt that the Supreme Court is going to revisit that case. I'm not sure it would end up different if it did. I uh, remember where Kennedy was on that. I'm trying to think back on the vote. Uh, I don't think the lineup has changed on that case. Uh, and this idea, I mean, again, it's a sign of the fact that we just don't, we've lost a, a sense of what courts do when people make all kinds of predictions that, that might be appropriate if they were talking about, uh, you know, congressional election or, or a presidential election. Say, okay, if you elect President X, then he or she will move to repeal Obamacare and they'll be successful and that'll be terrible. Well, in the first place. I don't think it'd be terrible. I think healthcare would get better. Okay. But in that's appropriate because that's what they do. They pass laws. The president has a role in that. And the Congress passes law. Courts don't do that. Supreme court's not going to get up some morning and issue a decree that Obamacare is unconstitutional. Uh, it, it, it doesn't operate that way and it shouldn't operate that way. Look, Jamie, I've known a lot of judges over the years in the state and federal level. I've had a hand in picking them. 
uh, particularly when I was in the Senate, okay? And a lot of really good judges. Uh, by and large, though, uh, they're no wiser or more moral uh, than anybody else. And that's why a famous judge said one time, he said, look, he said, I would not choose to be governed by a bevy of platonic guardians, even if I knew how to choose them, which I most assuredly do not. <laughs> okay? Yeah. So, and, you know, whatever you think of the legislative branch, and I lived in it for many years, so believe me. <laughs> I know it's weaknesses. It is much more accountable to people, at least than the other branches are. Yeah. Okay. You may not you may not like the Congress. In fact, nobody does. I don't either. But it is more accountable to the people than the executive, and certainly more accountable in the courts. And if you care about having some control as a democratic, uh, you know, a, a, as a voting polity, if you will, you know, as if the voters care about control, they want the legislative power to reside in the legislature. I mean, all you got to do is look at the elections every few years and see how Congress turns around. Now, I, I'll grant you that that doesn't always produce a huge change in policy, but actually I think most of the time it does, which is why this kind of urgency is appropriate for those elections, but not it shouldn't be for the Supreme Court. Definitely easier to this run. This kind of you know, hysteria. Uh, hysteria is never appropriate, but you know what I mean. You know yeah. what I'm saying, I think. Uh, and in the meantime, we have to get past the crazy people out there. Uh, there's a lot of clutter out there in discussions about the Supreme Court nominee. And I think one of the uh, ultimately most egregious ones came from Joy Behar on The View. And I'm, I'm, I'm almost, I, I almost feel small and dirty uh, having you answer to Joy Behar. It just seems to me to be very uh, inappropriate. But I want to run this by you anyway, just for the sake of discussion. Jason, we're going to have Alan Dershowitz on today. And I'd mm -hmm. like to ask him about that. Why would a president who's under investigation by the FBI for obstruction of justice and collusion be allowed to pick a Supreme Court justice who will be there? I'll be dead. There are many oh, people God. in this room who will still be alive and have, need abortions and what have you, need health care. How dare he be allowed to do this when well, he is under investigation? I mean, that's, that's, that's Joy Behar appealing to the low IQ set, clearly. But th even this idea somehow that the president being under investigation, if, if that is indeed the case, uh, which I don't think is the case, but nonetheless, uh, this idea somehow that he should not have the – uh, power or the authority to name a Supreme Court justice seems to be patently ridiculous, but clearly there are people out there who buy that line of thinking. Yeah, well, we're in an age when people are not embarrassed about exposing their ignorance on subjects they don't know anything about. Okay, <laughs> so those kinds of comments, we hear those kind of comments you know, all the time. And <clears throat> what Every political official, even if they're under investigation for something, you know, continues to exercise the powers of their office while they're in office. And it has to be that way, obviously. So, um, you know, I, I hope she's just throwing out red meat for the sake of ratings and she doesn't really believe that. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's always the question for me. In the sense, if I was on one of those shows, that's probably what I'd ask them just as a point of curiosity. Yeah. Do you really believe that or are you just, you know, throwing that out because it's uh, 
you know, it's good TV, which it might have been. I don't know. I mean, that's that's more your line than mine, Jamie. I'm sure when she asked that question of Dershowitz, his response was much like the look on the face of the dog staring into the cone there on that record label. It's right. Kind of like, what? Right, because what do you say in response to that? Yeah. I mean, if it's a serious, if she intends to be taken seriously, I mean, you know, there's so much about that. There's so much of a background of understanding as far as talking about civic education that you you have to know to know why that is so terribly wrong, and most Americans know it. Uh, not everybody, uh, you know, who who offers opinions, you know, does. And look, it's just uh, people can say what they want to say. I mean, it's uh, it's one of the great uh, virtues of this country, and I really, yeah, you know, I I, I really do believe that. You know, Jefferson said one time, he said, if I had to choose between uh, uh, newspapers without government or government without newspapers, I'd pick newspapers without government. <laughs> and I would, too. I yeah. mean, I'd rather have that's that kind of uh, sentiment. You know, we're going to get that. It's the same kind of thing you say because people would say that because Kavanaugh uh, wrote an article saying that Congress should pass a law uh, specifying when and under what circumstance a president would be subject to legal process in a criminal or civic civil prosecution. It means that uh, he would rule that Trump uh, were not, or, or another president, were not subject to it. It's actually saying the opposite. He's saying, look, under the rules uh, that the courts laid down, presidents are subject to this, and he thinks, so that's how he would rule, but what he's saying is, uh, there are downsides to that, and Congress ought to try and mitigate the downsides with some prudent legislation. And by the way, I happen to agree with that. I mean, I was there when the Supreme Court said <clears throat> that Clinton could be summoned to a deposition in a civil case. And if you think about this for a second, I mean, you know, the president's in the Situation Room. There's some crisis, and he gets a subpoena, and he's supposed to show up in court, or he's going to be held in contempt. And <clears throat> that's kind of dumb. So, you know, we, we ought to, we ought to think that through and do something uh, logical with regard to that. Shouldn't we? <clears throat> no doubt. You know, Jamie, I do want to say one, one other thing. I don't want to hijack your next question, but on the confirmation issue, I was always of the view that as long as a judge represented a mainstream in American law, <clears throat> and there's more than one mainstream, I know that's oxymoronic, but again, you, you understand what I'm saying that I would vote to confirm them if I felt they were qualified and honest, because the truth of the matter is there's vast disagreement among lawyers, and legitimately so, about what jurisprudence in interpreting the Constitution is the right one. But I've also thought, since I've left office, I've thought about this, and I think it, I think senators would, would be right in considering this, that, and I think I might say this to a nominee now, I might say to them, look, I can vote for you even if you would bring new rights into the Constitution that aren't there. Okay, you were talking about Roe versus Wade before. But if you're going to vote to take out the rights that are there, I got a problem. Because I think that goes much more to the long-term health or even survival you know, of the Republic. And <clears throat> so to me, a judge who's, who's prepared to turn somersaults in order to read out the First Amendment or the Second Amendment, you know, that might be a basis, in my view, for saying, I can't vote to confirm you. I don't care how many lawyers agree with that. I'm not, you know, that just goes too far. Right. And I right. think that's one of the questions today. 
Yeah, uh, one quick question then, uh, final question about Roe versus Wade. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Kavanaugh is on the record as having said that Roe versus Wade, in his opinion, is settled law. But I have a question about how this whole thing would go down if indeed it did ever go down. The Supreme Court doesn't generally thumb through its files and just review a case. Something would have to happen where you would have a case brought to them, correct? I mean, the Supreme Court is not going to simply say, okay, now that we have all these people together, let's go and review Roe versus Wade. Right. They have control as a practical matter over their own docket. Okay, I won't go into the reasons that's the case, but they t- virtually every case they take, they take as a matter of discretion. Now, there are some cases that are so big that you know they're going to take them. Um, the travel ban case was one of those. Okay, they, they were going to take that case because uh, it looms so large in the consciousness uh, of, the, uh, you know, of the government and the public. But they don't have to. Um, the courts of appeals, for example, you know, if you're, a criminal gets convicted in federal court and files an appeal, the court of appeals has to take that case. It can't say, oh, we don't want to hear that case. The Supreme Court has discretion over its docket. So, yes, the case has to be presented. Then they have to agree to take it. Then they have to agree or decide they're going to consider the broad question of whether Roe versus Wade is still good law. And people who say that it's not going to be overturned. What they're really saying is the court is going to exercise its discretion uh, against considering that fundamental question, at least for some time. And I think I agree with that as a matter of predicting what the court's going to do. Uh, I, I think that uh, to the extent Kavanaugh has an influence, what you are going to see is a greater examination of issues like when should the courts d- defer to administrative agencies in interpreting federal law, which is a huge issue, okay? Uh, You're going to see issues like, to what extent can Congress just create an administrative agency and say, go out and do something, and we're not going to tell you how to do it? Uh, In other words, what happens when the Congress tries to actually delegate the legislative power which it did with this Consumer Finance Protection Bureau. It basically said, we're creating you, go out and regulate the economy. And I, that's, been a, that, that's bothered me for a long time. No, you're supposed to establish the standards in the statute, tell them clearly what you want them to do, and make the judgments that are foreseeable in terms of how you want them to do it. Okay, The Congress passes laws, not the administrative agencies. I think you're going to see a lot of that with Kavanaugh. And... Uh, <clears throat> then I think you're going to see a a, a vigorous and robust First Amendment, Second Amendment jurisprudence, which is quite appropriate because these rights are under attack today, and we see them all the time. So I'm very enthusiastic about this nomination. Um, And, uh, again, we're going to see a lot of hysteria on the left for the reasons we've talked about. But I think at the end of the day, he gets confirmed. All right, one more quick question. <laughs> Since obviously, well, Jim, you mean I got a quick answer, but uh, so you well, can ask a quick well, question. <laughs> your uh, uh, bipartisanpolicy.org is where you can find a lot of what Jim uh, talks about. He's specializing in uh, actually uh, defense matters. So, but but still, I wanted yeah. to ask him from the Senate point of view on on the Supreme Court issue. And you can also American Spectator, National Review, you name it, you got it. So, speaking of defense spending, how would you assess what's going down there? 
with the summit, the NATO deal? Well, I think the president's going to, the president's emphasizing to these countries that if NATO is important to them, they should be spending more money on their own defense. And everybody agrees with that. And this is the funny, Trump gets criticized for things that every other president has been hammering on. Uh, It's just that he does it, you know, his own way. And he does it. uh, And and when he says it, he means it. And I I like that. I, I think. The Germans in particular, I mean, uh, because the biggest economy in Europe, they're fully capable. I think they spend like 1.2% of their GDP on defense. And that's ridiculous. If they want to be a a vital member of the alliance, which they should, uh, they should contribute to the common defense. I think he's going to make that point. Now, it's going to get wrapped up a lot in trade. And the president's trade policy has applied, you know, I'm I'm fully on board with everything he's doing with China. Uh, I'm waiting to see what happens with the other allies, okay? Because I think what he's doing is he's, and and this will come up because it's it's so important to the Europeans right now. You know, I think what he's saying to them is, look, uh, for years and years, uh, you have been maneuvering within the, the international trade system to get the best deal you can for your people. While we have been, you know, neutrally uh, working for neutral principles of trade, and that's going to end. We're going to do the same thing you're doing, which is we're, we're going to try and get the best deal we can for our people. I agree with that as a matter of principle. I think the jury's out on his maneuvering and, and whether it's going to be effective in the long run. Um, but I like it that he's trying it, you know, and I, I, those subjects will come up, even though it is a NATO thing. I mean, there's no way they're not going to talk about things like that. Right on. All right, Jim Talent, bipartisanpolicy.org. Uh, thanks a lot, uh, as always. And uh, we'll check in with you. I'm, I'm gone for a week, but we'll check in with you the following week, if that's all right, buddy. Yeah, we'll see what's happened in the meantime, how quickly they have this hearing on Kavanaugh. So we'll, uh, we'll see. And then the hearing will be um, quite a spectacle. I mean, they, they will be having the hearings soon, correct? Right. Yeah, okay. uh, the, you know, the issue is early September, or are they going to get it in in August, which is what I would prefer and what I think they're going to do. Uh, I don't see, you know, Kavanaugh uh, was confirmed once. Uh, they got to update his papers and all that, but I don't see why this should take, you know, two months to have a hearing. I think they're going to try and do it pretty quickly. And as I've said to you before, Jamie, it all, you know, how he does at the hearing is going to tell the tale. I mean, yeah. if he does well at the hearing, he's going to get confirmed. Yeah. And I think, I think in, by today's standards, you know, it won't be that close. He'll, he'll get a few Democratic votes. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I think their political yeah, lives. I don't do- know if you've been reading about, I don't know if you've been reading about Doug Jones in Alabama, but he may be asking himself whether he really wanted to, to whether this whole Senate thing is as good as he thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right on. I appreciate that, buddy. Uh, all right, Jim Talent, thanks, okay. thanks a ton. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Jamie. See you, yes, Jim Talent. Yeah, well, indeed, yeah. Discovery Design, Inc. This is the Discovery Design Studio, Radio Free Almond. I 
trucking needs you a holler you a concreter you a builder are you a butcher are you a baker are you a candlestick maker no family get get, get something going on in your life oh i have uh, relatives who actually do support me that are candlestick makers and butchers and concrete builders and bakers and Good morning this morning. Uh, yes, so Hello. speaking of defense, I think there's an interesting piece that you flagged here, Steve Church, that the U.S. is poised to become the world's top oil producer. Yeah. Fascinating. And, and you're thinking to yourself, well, why, why is that pertinent to defense? Well, you all know, I'm not saying that we get involved in you know, wars just for oil. I'm not one of those loons who talked about Iraq in that fashion. But I will tell you that uh, when you have independence such as this, that puts you in a good position when you have when you are oil independent. Correct. In the time that I sent that story to you, and now, what do you think OPEC just announced? They're going to op- open up the taps. Yeah. Of course. What is it? More in supply. 15 minutes? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because uh, they uh, – keep in mind, remember how much we were slaves to OPEC on so many different levels, and yet look where we are now. And it, it's a big deal. And you know what? This has happened because in, – in, in many ways because now we have uh, – President Obama, for a long, long time, sat on these drilling permits. He used to deny. He's like, we're still drilling. It's like, no, we're not. You are not allowing the drilling permits to be approved. The drilling permits have been uh, applied for, but you haven't let any of the damn things through. And so now, of course, we have that. We have the pipelines opening up, all those kinds of things. And now we're off to the races. And this this is a better environment for us all along. Now, I guess you do get the possibility of 
higher prices as a result because you're not really necessarily, I mean, the competition factor. But nonetheless, it's a good thing for the U.S. to be oil independent, and we're on our way. Right, and we haven't produced this much since 1970. Yeah. That's big. And by the way, I realize that people are kind of down on oil and coal and these kinds of things, and we've talked about this uh quite a bit and it's a it's a clear reality that uh, these types of ways of fueling and powering things uh, are never going to go away i know that natural gas is kind of a big deal and natural gas is replacing a lot of coal usage and that kind of thing i get all that but ultimately it, it oil crude oil and for that matter, coal, these two things that the Lord put into the ground for us to dig out and utilize, uh, are still, they still remain the most efficient, cost-effective way of powering the things that make the world go round. To date. Correct. That's, I mean, there's no other way. Now, I do know, and I mentioned this a while back, that there was a... Uh, there was a time when there were uh, people who claimed that that there's a guy. There was a guy who created a engine, a car engine that ran on water, and that you know he was immediately you know kind of pushed to the side and everything else. And and I would imagine that you do have. I mean, I guess it, it technically would be the steam engine. I get I, you know what I mean. But even that was kind of supported by coal, correct? Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. so, but this guy apparently had some thing where he, he a long time ago had created a, an engine that ran just on water, which I guess I remember is, that it's yeah. possible. Tom Hanks is really into that stuff too. He'll buy a Bronco or an older SUV and try to convert it into a water-based yeah. engine. But you don't hear much about that anymore. No, you don't. And I mean, I know, I know that there's this suspicion that somehow the oil companies have, you know, have found a way to keep these people down, keep the man down. But I don't know. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and electric cars are not the future. Uh, it, because until you can figure out a way to manufacture them more efficiently, until you can figure out a way to have to make batteries that aren't automatic pollutants oh, the electric car is not going to be you know, I've I've been in a few zippy cars that are electric cars I mean these things do like the the I remember driving one time the Chevy Volt really and that thing kind of yeah I got a, I was over at Weber but I got but it's a it was a pretty zippy automobile um name dropping but, here John Goodman bought a um Lexus SUV electric. Uh, the first two three months, he would call and go, "Like the car isn't running. It won't start." No, it was on the entire yeah. the entire time. You didn't even know the car was running. It, it was that. Well, that's that's why in parking lots, you're like, "Why is this person?" Like when I was driving the Volt, you're like, "Why is this person walking right in front of my car?" It's because they can't hear me. Right? They didn't even know it was there. Exactly. Now, what, what does it take for electric companies? But how do they get their power? Someone has to coal. There you go. 
So it, more electricity is being used to, uh, quote-unquote, fuel cars. These electric companies, they're going to need more fuel to supply your Craig Longos who just bought a Tesla in the world. Now you, out there. you mentioned parking lots. Two things annoy me about parking lots. For whatever reason nowadays, people are going like 30 miles an hour in parking lots. I don't know why people – I don't know what whether – Times have changed or whether I'm just like noticing it, but for whatever reason, people are speeding in parking lots. I'm trying to figure out like what the hell is going on and and why are you driving so fast in a parking lot? Or is that just my imagination? No, I think it's it's reality. People are just – the road rage has hit parking lots. (laughs) But but people yeah. are speeding through parking. I, I mean, know I, I can't figure it out. It's like you're real. This is kind of you. I'm not, I'm not a putzer. I don't you know piddle around in the parking lot. But people still drive pretty fast through these. And here's the other one. And I I know I'm not going to get it. We've talked about this before, so I'm not going to get too AM radio with you on this one. But uh, I'm in a parking lot, and suddenly somebody stops, and then suddenly their uh, rear reverse taillights go on and i'm going what in the f are you doing oh it turns out i just happened to get I, my lucky number came up and i'm behind the person who must park by backing into a space now now i understand that there are certain people who must do this because i've i've run through this discussion before and people say yeah well my work I'm driving a company car, and my workplace requires me to back up into a space. And other people are like, "Yeah, but you know," and 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 part and two in their defense, some people who back into spaces are doing so precisely because people are speeding through parking lots and they don't want to get rammed. But I would venture to guess that seventy-five, maybe eighty percent of you backing up to in a, in a car space do not need to do that and should stop cease this practice immediately for the rest of the world and for peace. Amen. Because I think some people back into spots because they think it's cool to be, mm-hmm. to, to be, you know, because I noticed it's a certain, certain types of individuals who back into car spots. Now I think like, that it's think and think that it's groovy that they're doing that. I like to, if it's available, pull straight through to a spot. So if there's a spot lined up against yeah, one yeah, another yeah. and pull straight through and park that way yeah, as if you're the same So you're result. one of those people pulling straight through a parking lot. Yeah, but, but, park, but park in the one where when I get back into the car, I could just pull right out. Have you ever seen anybody drive like through a parking lot through the spaces? Oh, you know? I, I used to do that all the time. At Target Baptist Church, that was like the... It was actually uh, that, fun. That's 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 where you're really getting into trouble. That's, there, where you're like buzzing through the entire lot. That's how my dad spaces. taught me how to drive <laughs> <laughs> through the Target parking lot. Trump's America First economy securing a 10 year employment high for manufacturing workers. Yeah, see, we were told long, long time ago by Republicans and Democrats, that manufacturing is dead. Forget about it. You're going to have to learn to operate robots, 
which, by the way, are a part of manufacturing. So uh, yep. kind of forgot about that. And you're going to just have to, you know, we're a nation of call centers. Just answer the phones. That's it. You're, or, or you're, you know, uh, of waiters. Nope. More American manufacturing workers are employed today than at any time in the last 10 years. So even though there are people who are claiming that the tariffs are going to do this and do that, uh, but they're citing tariffs, less immigration, and tax relief. And, and, and keep in mind, there is less immigration because the message is out that America is going to make it hard for you to be here illegally. And also that America is going to start enforcing its laws related to tech visas and work visas because for the last decade under Republican and indeed even uh, Democrat rule, the situation has been where companies haven't been forced to prove like they should, like it's mandated when they do the tech visas, for instance, to prove that the, the, there's no one else who can do the job. They haven't been required to, to prove that, uh, even though that is a requirement, they haven't been asked. So now that there's a little bit more of a focus on this, and indeed even more of a focus on the American worker instead of the foreign worker, it looks like uh, over the month employment change by the industry, June 18th, seasonally adjusted, is now uh, the, the manufacturing sector has rapidly increased. Like, for instance, uh, let's say it's about as much as education and health services still remains the number one place for jobs in this country. Demand. I know uh, just at the University of Missouri, demand for nurses. They don't have enough nurses. They can't keep them. Yeah. Yeah. And then professional and business services would be second there. And then you have manufacturing is number three. And then number four, it looks like leisure and hospitality. And fortunately, it looks like government is one of the dwindling industries, which is a good thing, not a bad one. Is broadcasting on that list? Um, Broadcasting. uh, Let's see here. Uh, Well, let's see. With the retirement of Dave Murray, that's right. It now is on the other side of the line. No, actually, retail trade is the one that's going sideways. Yeah. And I think that's because of a lot of more automation and stuff like that, but who knows? Amazon. Yeah, because a lot of those stores are closing. By the way, uh, in between Thackerville, Oklahoma, which is about 45 minutes south of Dallas and Dallas, the largest— What, you didn't think I knew where that was? No, I didn't. I know exactly where Thackerville, Oklahoma is. Really? Yeah, yeah. Been there many times. It's just uh, it's where the nation's largest casino is, Windstar. It's home of the it's, it's home of the uh, Thackerville Stallions. Very, you're close. There are stallions in Thackerville. Home of Terry Bradshaw. Right on. Anyway, near there, the largest Walmart distribution thing. I it was larger than Lambert Airport. I oh. never seen anything <laughs> like it. It yeah. just went on and on and on and on. Yeah. It's kind of like the UPS operation you see in Indiana. I think it's Indianapolis or maybe it's FedEx. I think it's FedEx, but it's gigantic. Yeah. 
So speaking of broadcasting, everybody. So Dave, the big the big news, I guess, across the uh, St. Louis area was the was the announced retirement of Dave Murray. Yeah, I thought he was going to stick it out because uh, our people that we worked with knew they were they liked Dave a lot. So I was uh, I was shocked. I thought he might hang in there for at least three more years to see this transition out with Sinclair. Why wouldn't he though? I mean, gee whiz. I mean, he's he's the premier weather guy in town. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I, we'll have to ask him because I, I was fascinated by that. I My speculation is that they would want him to work ABC and Fox, um, maybe double the workload and same pay and whatever else, how they try to maneuver all that stuff. And I don't know how old he is, but... He doesn't look that old. No, he look he looks great. Yeah, I mean, he's. I don't know why he would uh, get out of there. That was that was, that was the confounding thing. Like, uh, listen, weather nowadays, even the demand for weather. Although apparently, they're, it's not because of. It's not like they're going to roll back on their weather coverage. They're going to no. just put Glenn up there or somebody else, right? I I imagine somebody else that Sinclair is going to pick their chief meteorologist. So this whole. Congratulations to Glenn, and he's the guy. It's, I'm sorry, it, that decision will truly be made in September, I think. I'm actually surprised stations still do weather I, because right now, I mean, you, you have your device. I can right. get any kind of weather cover, any kind of weather forecast I want just by looking at my phone. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think it's monetizing. How to monetize it, how to present it, how to distribute it is is the key. Um, I know when um, cable and the whole digital age happened in, what was it, 2004? Yeah. And Channel 5 immediately went to 5.2, and it was 24-7 weather, and it worked. So until the, the phones came out, then that killed 5.2 and, and the 24-7 weather. So I think it's just somebody locally monetizing. I think Sinclair... They they got their fingerprint on. Yeah, it just seems it. it just seems like uh, it seems almost unnecessary. It's it's almost like sports. I yeah. mean, I, like right. I could, like like I could see sports on a sports station like five ninety. You know, they do sports coverage and sports stuff, and Tim and those guys all and Doug all do sports. Right. But but it seems to me like you, you can shorten sports considerably and probably even do away with weather. And for us, it was make it. Is it topical? Is it uh, the talk of the town? Is it newsworthy? Yeah, because everybody wants – like, well, I, I understand, like, when there's, like, a big tornado or, like, the yeah. – I mean, it, it does – it does serve a news. purpose where you're warning people and helping people out, and I get all that, but – Well, remember the Snowmageddon and – Oh, yeah. Um, so the, I think they had to dial that back, too, with um, – they got called out on that stuff. Does Channel 2 still have its uh, aqua – it's Aqua, Aqua Fox. Aqua Fox. They still have that boat. No. Okay. No. <laughs> that they never used. Yeah, the Aqua Fox. Remember we made fun of that. Oh yeah, that was. <laughs> we had the almond almond jumbo jet. Yeah, we had. We we're gonna we're gonna look at this. We're gonna look at the uh, the fire the the jackknife tractor trailer from thirty thousand feet up. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what it looks like from thirty thousand feet above the highway seventy. Everybody. Oh. No, actually, we we even had the uh, 
the Almond Report locomotive. That's like right. We, like the, the train would go through some some field in, in Illinois to where we'd see the dead body. Because someone at Fox 2 explained, why do you have a boat? And there, because St. Louis is surrounded by rivers. Right. So we're going to have a boat to cover all the J- news. A, j- a jackknife barge. Right. Just in case. And then the uh, industry trade uh, website, Spy TV for local... TV news. Is Spy TV still around? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they um, um, they interviewed KTVI and asked them, they said, well, okay, so if a story breaks, there's a drowning or whatever, so how do you, what's the protocol? What do you guys do? Well, it's 36-hour window, so we, we have to notify the boat and the dock to take the boat off the dock, to put the boat in the water, have it water ready. And then within a 24 to 36-hour period, then we can have Aquafox out in the water to do the breaking story that happened two days ago. Yeah, because after all, that's what first responders who are trying to save somebody from drowning or recover a body need is another boat in the water. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Zooming around them, presumably right. probably with a, a motor and everything right. else. I think the one story they used, they utilized, I think Wade Smith did a uh, fishing tournament story Yeah, with uh, Rich Gould. I right. think that was about the extent of Aquafox. Yeah, we would have we would have saved this person from drowning, but uh, our our boat capsized because of the weight caused by Aquafox. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is, these people just don't, don't aren't thinking. By the way, back to weather real quickly, though. You know, Cindy Pressler though has ha, who was at five and who's a very nice person. Uh, she has kind of a she's created a pretty cool little gig there on Facebook. She like has right. a weather center on Facebook. I think she has her own app now. As oh, well. she does. Yeah. That's the way the to weather. do it, right there. Yeah, because she's monetized it and everything. And I think Sinclair will do something similar. They it, it may involve Cindy. Who who knows where this may go? But this whole idea that Glenn's the guy and and they're passing the torch and he's going to be the Five, six, seven, nine, ten, eleven. <laughs> Chief, I just, I, I'm sorry. I just, I think Baltimore is going to have other ideas. I'm Clint sure they already do. A nice guy, though. He is. He's a terrific guy. Salt of the earth is Glenn Zimmerman. Yep, and a great guitar player. Oh, really? Yes. He would sit in a lot with the Smash Band and. Um, oh, he uh, would. Yeah, the the Hollywoods. They they would play. At the tailgate around the same area. Bush, Bushwhack in the Hollywoods. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah I Glenn do. was a part of them. I see. Yeah. Okay. All right. Do you see this story here? Let me see. I was, I was fascinated. I'm always fascinated by stories like this because I, I, I look at this thing and I'm thinking to myself, why? All right? So there's a story from Australia about a 1,300-pound crocodile in Australia, that was captured and then killed. Now, there was this claim that the crocodile was potentially, uh, you know, kind of a uh, maybe a danger to other animals around and that, that, that he, there was human interaction in this area. And so they wanted to get rid of the crocodile to help prevent what they called human interaction in the more populated areas. So they went out, found this thing, and killed it. And this reminds me of the stories where 
you suddenly see like somewhere where they've 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 hauled up like a giant squid. You know, look, we found a humongous squid. And so what did you do? We killed it and brought it up and put it on a hook and took pictures of it. I'm going, why did you do that? And and again, I will maintain those of you who are uh, avid Almond in the Morning fans and, and listeners to Radio Free Almond have heard this too, uh, that I do believe I have pinpointed why we have never had a space alien actually <laughs> land on Earth because the space aliens watch stuff like this and they're like, going, if we land, somebody's going to kill us, put us up on a hook, and take pictures of us. Right. So we're not going to land there. We're just going to fly around, thus the UFO. I agree. I, there's no way of telling how intelligent this crocodile was or, I mean, the brain capacity of it. What we have learned with whales and dolphins already, we don't kill them. We, we learn from them and communicate. But they, this, as you say, that's out the window. Done, gone, forget it. So, so, so you could have spoke to us. So your your lament is the fact that we cannot learn from the thirteen hundred pound crocodile. We could have. He could have. Who knows? He could have communicated. He could. Us. He could. No, you, 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 he could have taught us how to clamp down on somebody with our jaws and then drag them underneath the water. Yes. Or why? I want to know why do you do that? Mr. Well, crocodile? first of all, it's to it's to eat, and then but but. Primarily, it's to it's to drown the individual so that they stop mm-hmm. kicking you in your mouth. Yeah, you know. Why do you like golf courses so much? I, I, I wouldn't ask the crocodile that. Well, it's probably it's, it reminds them of the uh, of the of the savanna. You know, <laughs> <laughs> savanna that that little place out there. I got to tell you, these folks these these news people are going crazy over this. Uh, over the Kavanaugh vote because people are uh, trying to claim that suddenly we're going to have some right-wing nut job uh, in charge of the Supreme Court and that we're going to have a brand-new collapse of this country. And as we pointed out before, elections do indeed have consequences and this is what happens when a Republican president who promised to appoint conservative justices gets elected. You're going to get conservative justices appointed to the U.S. Supreme Court. This is kind of what happens. And why people seem dumbfounded and indeed confounded by all this is beyond me. But you're going to get somebody who's conservative. That's the bottom line. But they're, but they're not Legislators and the Supreme Court has never been, except when it's been run by liberals, never never really been a legislative branch of the government. They don't make laws. No, they interpret, interpret. them. And and so, to me, it's interesting because to me, you would think if you are a liberal, that you would want an originalist on the Supreme Court, primarily because. It's preserving your rights. How much have we talked about, for instance, uh, when you uh, address the issues that related out of Ferguson, for instance, where we had situations where clearly people's Fourth Amendment rights were being routinely violated? I'm not talking about 
by the Ferguson police because, to tell you the truth, Eric Holder's entire investigation didn't come up with a whole lot. No. About the Ferguson police and, and, and the way they manufactured that report was they had a town hall meeting. Remember those? And they right. said, come on into the town hall meeting here in Ferguson and tell us your experiences with the cops. We don't need your name. We don't need to confirm your story. Just come on up and right. say whatever you want. And, and most of these people, it turned out, weren't even from Ferguson. Right. They'd come from, you know, Belnor or Velda Village Hills. Or, or the story was completely fabricated right, exactly. altogether. Yes. So that whole thing, but 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 still, there was a situation. I think that 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 we all uh, were able to agree on this is that this that that whole municipal court system was really screwed up. I mean, it was it was there were people who were getting these tickets, and then uh, they they wound up in this huge cycle where they just couldn't get out of it. And they're always in court, and there are always warrants out, and yeah, it just was. You know, they didn't have resources. It was really a problem for a lot of people. And which side of the aisle come up with the bill to reform that injustice? Conservatives, Republicans. Eric, you're right. SB five. Yes, and 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 you got you and and part of that was because obviously Republicans were uh, in charge, but most of it had to do with the fact that the conservative viewpoint of these kinds of things normally would fall into a category that would be beneficial to people who otherwise might even identify themselves as being liberal. When the reality is you're probably actually conservative when you're advocating for uh, judicial responsibility and you're advocating for a more fairer court system, all these kinds of things, you're really standing up for rights in the Constitution is what is what you're doing. And for instance, uh, the issue regarding asset forfeiture, there are a lot of questions about whether or not asset forfeiture is something that the government should be involved in, uh, even when it comes to, you know, when they arrest drug dealers, they automatically take their cars and then repurpose them for use and, you know, cops are driving them around, whatever. But that shouldn't <laughs> what. Or I was just thinking, an eleven year old boy could get a new uh, Panasonic eight track recorder stereo too. Maybe, yeah. yeah, it happened in nineteen eighty one. What happened? Well, I got lots of things at the police auction, allegedly. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, there's and and, and see now that that might have been like ha ha he he lat around then, but that's bothersome to a lot of people. I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're auctioning off homies eight track, huh? Yeah. It was forty years ago, people. Yeah. But 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 to a lot of people <laughs> and, and particularly to constitutional originalists, that's that's a that's a problem. That's not a comforting thing that the government is turning around and seizing individuals' property and then summarily auctioning it off even before there might even be a conviction. Correct. So that's that's a that's a if you ask somebody on the street whether they thought that was okay, uh, they would probably say no. And if you ask them then who did they vote for in two thousand eight, they'd probably say Obama. And you'd you realize that well, you know what? Conservatives are probably more in line with defending your rights over this thing than liberals are. Right. I 
especially in Los Angeles, you, I have a conversation with somebody, and at the uh, end of a 30-minute conversation, they realize they agree with everything I've said, or I have agreed with what they've said, that, that it's that – um, they're listening. They're thinking that their party is standing up for them and their values and rights, and it's not. It's just a big. Well, I'll, I'll go. Job. I'll go to. I'll go to. I'll go back to Joy Behar and and her position on President Trump's Supreme Court appointment. Now, Joy Behar, if you asked her, she would call herself a liberal. She would call herself a, uh, a left wing person. She'd be proud of it and everything else, but. There's, there are not many Americans, and if you, and if, again, if you just go to the hood or go to any other place out there where people are just, uh, you know, are just living their lives, they would probably tell you that they, if they were arrested or if they were under investigation, that they would prefer to be presumed innocent, innocent. instead of being presumed guilty. That that they'd be like that that'd be like a big deal for people. There, it is. There are people who are in court right now, running through court, who, if they were presumed guilty instead of being presumed innocent, would be miserable and would be incarcerated. Everything else. So the position that Joy Behar is taking here on on this matter related to the president appointing a Supreme Court justice, listen to her. And see if you can honestly – if she can honestly say that she is truly a liberal or a Democrat or whatever. We're going to have Alan Dershowitz on today, and I'd like mm-hmm. to ask him about that. Why would a president who's under investigation by the FBI for obstruction of justice and collusion be allowed to pick a Supreme Court justice who will be there? I'll be dead. There are many oh, people God. in this room who will still be alive and have, need abortions and what have you, need health care. How dare he be allowed to do this when Why? he is under investigation? Now, if you, if, the thing is, if, if, you, if you could just take Joy Behar and that audience and flood the place and drown everybody in there, the world would be a much better place. And America would too, because these people, it's, this is more than just left wing hackery here or television hackery. These people, every single one of them clapping are un-American. And, and, and that's, and I'm not, I don't think I'm overstating that position because whether you're president Trump or whether you're just that person on the street, all Americans are afforded the presumption of innocence instead of the presumption of guilt. And so having a different standard for a president in terms of the justice system than you do for anybody else is totally un-American. Now, if we took Joy Behar's viewpoint and applied that to any one of you, or even you pick out somebody in that audience clapping right now, I guarantee you one of their kids has probably been in trouble before. And they would or themselves never, or themselves yeah. they would never apply that standard to their own lives. No, it's Joe McCarthy. It, and then you would have to give Joy's statement some truth. There, there really is no this quote so-called investigation is just a PR democratic narrative created. That do they know anything about this investigation? 
or what's going on, where it's leading to, or well, to whom? It's never. It's, it's ne- not to Trump. Yeah, it's never actually been confirmed that President Trump is under investigation. Exactly. I mean, it, it's it's never been something that has been uh, plainly stated that the president is under investigation. I, I'm dealing with it now. They 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 put a they'll hide the lie in another lie wrapped around another lie into another lie. Now now you're fighting four lies, like in a headline that's not true. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been there before. Yeah. I've been there before. Speaking of all that, did you know that the left is now turning on David Hogg? I'm going to have that for you coming up. That's a pretty crazy story. Uh, Absolutely it is. Live from the Discovery Design Studio. Check it out, discoverydesigninc.com. Whether you are a hauler, a concreter. Builder, a butcher, a baker, candlestick maker. Make sure you hook up with Discovery Design. It's on the web there, discoverydesigninc.com. This vacation's useless. These white pills are kind. I've given a lot of thought on this 13-hour drive. I miss the grind in concrete where we sat past 8 or 9. And slowly finish laughing in the glow of our headlights. I've given a lot of thought to the nights we used to have. The days have come and gone. Our lives went by so fast. I faintly remember breathing on your bedroom floor. Where I laid and told you, but you swear you love me more. Do you care if I don't know what to say? Will you sleep tonight? Will you think of me? Will I shake this off? Pretend it's all okay. That there's someone out there who feels just like me. notes you wrote me I've kept them all I've given a lot of thought of how to write you back this fall with every single letter in every single word there will be a hidden message about a boy that loves a girl do you care if I don't know what to say will you sleep tonight or will you think of me will I shake this off pretend it's all Good morning, everybody. Radio Free Almond, RadioFreeAlmond.com. Yeah, people. Thanks again to Mike and Shannon, Marino, SantinoCigars.com. Santino's Cigars and Cocktails right there. Beautiful Arnold off Vogel Road. Fun place. Great people. Loving my brand new Santino Cigars and Cocktails light. My shirt too. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Have your bottle. Yes, they do. So wow, they are turning on David Hogg. The folks from Antifa had some very choice words for David Hogg after he had his picture taken 
oddly enough, with uh, some apparently pro-gun individuals, uh, and they called him an S-stain on this blog, and it's an Antifa blog, and they called him a self-important little S-stain. And they they said, we need to give this self-important little S-stain a wedgie after speaking him speaking with members of comedian Gavin McGinnis's Proud Boys fraternal group. Now, Gavin McGinnis is a guy we want to have on the show here, ultimately. He's at MRC TV. Have you seen any of Gavin's oh, stuff? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. It's pretty – it's interesting, entertaining, and he's, he's a troubadour. He's great. And this group is generally a conservative group. The, pro, the so-called Proud Boys. And so, some of you who are familiar with Gavin McGinnis's work know all about this organization. But generally, they're just a, a, a lot of young, kind of very intelligent conservatives. So um, I'll read. This is from the Daily Caller. An Antifa blog called for activists to give David Hogg a wedgie on Tuesday after he appeared in photos with Right-wing organization members, this is what Daily Caller, I, I, I don't like that term, right-wing. Because you, you never hear anybody, it's funny, you never hear the news media describe any groups as left-wing. They don't, no. even, they don't even describe Antifa as left-wing. No. So, so but, but, but they, they routinely use the word right-wing or term, the term right-wing to describe conservatives, Republicans, you name it. I don't understand that, but. I guess actually I do understand it, but because they're all left wingers, so exactly, and they and, and they and they know that right wing is a pejorative term, and they also know that left wing is too, but they reserve the right wing for the people they don't vote for, and that's how the media is. Cutting class, which describes itself as a platform for the kids of Generation F. This is a, the Antifa called for activists to give self important little. Blank stain hog a wedgie after seeing him speaking with the Gavin McGinnis group. Uh, David Hogg had attended a stop. It was a stop on the road to change tour because that did stop uh, here in St. Louis, by the way. Hosted by the group called March for Our Lives. Which posted and deleted photos that had originally Hogg posing with the Proud Boys. March for Our Lives doubled down on defending their dialogue. Uh, and, and, and this is what Antifa writes. Like the useless effing liberals they are, as if the past two years has indefinitely put dialogue with fascists in the dustbin of ideology. And McKinnis said, you know, I think it's great that the Proud Boys, these, this conservative group, went to engage Hogg in a civil discussion and the McKinnis is actually kind of inclined to agree a little bit with Antifa because uh, the modern left isn't looking for dialogue or truth. They're looking for a civil war, and then they wound up getting it. And the Antifa group said, we always felt iffy about David Hogg. His dad's an effing fed. 
So he was basically born a cop collaborator and informant. This is from Antifa, Hmm. describing David Hogg, by the way. Rule number one of organizing is don't talk to cops, and we're pretty sure he breaks that rule every time he goes home. Also, his last name is Hogg. Talk about on the nose, oink, oink. This is Antifa talking about David Hogg. Well, I'm I'm seeing the story. Where's the part where Stacey Newman and Drew Newman are attacking Antifa now and going to remove Antifa off? <laughs> where where are the Newmans? Yeah, aren't they? Where, where's their campaign to get rid of Antifa? I screenshotted it. So did you, though? Right by the way, the the uh, the famous Drew Newman, who's the uh, who's the uh, slow stepson of of Stacey Newman. But you, uh, you, you, his his world famous, which of course will be eventually world famous because they'll remember it or be forced to. The famous Mother's Day post. Oh yeah, that he wrote for stepmommy, Tony Soprano. Yeah, yeah. Where Stacey he, Newman. There was a picture of Stacy Newman with her goofy little look on her face uh, sitting there. And it was the it was Drew Newman's Mother's Day post for her. Yeah, very touching. Is that still up there, by the way? Because he deleted, unfortunately, uh, for for him, a lot of his stuff about me on his Facebook page, didn't he? Quite a bit. Yeah. Well, there's no such thing as deleting. By the way, just in, just in case you know, Drew. There's no, there's, the word delete isn't in the vocabulary of people who are going to make you pay for what you did. But yeah, nonetheless, the, the, uh, but the, but yeah, he, he wrote a, his mother's day post bragging about his stepmom being like Tony Soprano. Yeah. I I mean I have it I have it screenshotted I just I just I, I, it would take me a while to look for it as well. here it so, is uh, May thirteenth the deplorables think she's Tony Soprano so I nicknamed her the Godmother Happy Mother's Day to Stacy Newman the most badass stepmom on the planet <laughs> and yeah. why is that I don't know I there there's a lot of things that go on in their home that I question no but 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 why why do you think he would because he'll be he'll be obviously asked this but he why do you think he calls her the most badass stepmom on the planet oh the way she always comes to David Hogg's defense like she just did against Antifa oh wait a minute that hasn't happened May 13th Mother's Day Mother's Day uh, a month after Stacy Newman bragged about getting me fired, which right, yeah. So that must be that must be one of the reasons why Drew Newman uh, called her, and she bragged about being on the Today Show. That never happened, right? But but, yeah. but that must be one reason why he called her a badass is because she she bragged about because 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 isn't what did Tony Soprano do? Like I, I was, I wasn't familiar with the Sopranos, but what did the mafia do though? Right, they offed people, correct? Ran a strip club and uh, had lots of relationships with hookers. 
Did, but did, I know. But did Tony he? Tony Soprano did that. Did he? But did? But Tony Soprano is like a mob boss, right? That's correct. And what do mob bosses do? They basically call for the executions and the offing of that. I mean, that's that's why. To tolerant bullies. Her, okay, that's why he's calling her. What do you call her? The god stepmom. The godmother. Godmother. Not the godfather. Right. <laughs> so, but, but, yeah. Right. The godmother. So so but 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 one of the reasons why he said that clearly is because he because she had just gotten through bragging about getting my scalp. Uh, on on radio and TV, mm-hmm. which is all there in black and white, even though I think they've attempted to delete that too. But that's with the gateway blend bots. Yeah. Uh, and and then also they were in the throes. Uh, I think May thirteenth was just a couple days after Eric Greitens was indicted. Correct. Correct. And yes. and, and, she, and she was the one because because this chick was her hairdresser she was the one who set up her hairdresser with the prosecutor who wound up indicting eric greitens correct and she was the first one with vic faust on channel two not even three hours into the story that she was uh going on the floor asking for him to resign okay so 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 the the fact that that drew newman on mother's day bragged about her being just like a godfather mafia boss right. but also calling her a badass was directly related to two of her most prominent acts that took place within the past month correct her two acts of mccarthyism unless of course he's calling her a badass for another reason i don't know whether she did something oh. in the house or uh well. and or maybe she maybe she fixed the toilet in in her thing, but I don't really associate fixing toilets with uh, the Godfather. So normally, when you associate like mafia stuff and Godfather type stuff, you're you're associating somebody with some people being able to kind of control yeah. and off people. You're right. You're okay. bragging about the demise of one of her, uh, and, yeah, antagonists in her life. Exactly. Yeah. So. Okay, I just was, I just was trying to clear that up because maybe because yeah. maybe maybe Drew when he's asked in a deposition about the purpose of that Mother's Day celebration, maybe he'll say, "Well, she uh, she changed a light bulb. Uh, that's in the house. That's why she's a badass." Now here, oh well, Drew Newman uh, he put on Facebook. When you resort to bullying, threatening kids like David Hogg, you've gone too far. I'm sure. Oh, that's for Antifa. No, wait. No, it's not about Antifa. It's about Jamie Allman. Oh, yeah. Uh, Drew, what, where, where are you today, bud? Where are you for David Hogg? I'm wondering. I'm, I mean, he'll be asked, too, about this. I wonder how, how it is that I – how was it that I was bullying David Hogg? You weren't. You weren't even addressing him directly. You weren't even – you were teasing uh, your morning radio show. Yeah, because 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 I, I, or I guess, and this question will be asked of multiple people. How was it that I was actually threatening to assault David Hogg? Hmm. <laughs> or or is I don't it mean river, to laugh, but it's just so ridiculous. Times uh, guy. Who will also be asked about this? What? What? Where did the? Where did he come to the conclusion I was threatening to anally penetrate? Fantasizing, as he, as, he, as he wrote in his article, 
to penetrate David Hogg. Where did that come from? The godmother. Now, normally, if you bully somebody, would you have con- wouldn't you have contact with them at some point? Correct. And would you be defending his right to speak? Yeah. If you were bullying him, no. Yes. Yeah, so, so, but wouldn't you like if you were bullying somebody, like for instance, online? Mm-hmm. Can you bully somebody online without addressing them? Not in the real world, no. Like, 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 uh, like sending it. Like, if you sent a message to somebody saying, "I'm going to beat you to a pulp," whatever, that would be certainly bullying. If you sent a message to them, correct. And and, and, and if you tweet, if you tweeted them, like if you use the tweet, like, like, it seem, I, I seem to re- recall when this. Uh, Punk ass from the Riverfront Times wrote his story or tweeted out that I was threatening to anally penetrate David Hogg. Do you realize that actually he tweeted David Hogg? Yes. And that, that in his tweet, he used David Hogg's Twitter handle, at David Hogg11 or whatever it is. He put that in his tweet. So the only time David Hogg ever heard anything about this anally, even the term anally threat penetration was when this punk ass from the Riverfront Times tweeted him because I know that I didn't tweet him. You didn't publish that. You didn't create that. Well, and I didn't even I didn't even use David Hogg's Twitter handle in my tweet. Like people are saying, well, they compared it to Laura Ingram. Laura Ingram, and she was even wound up defended by her. Her her company, she tweeted him, like she she talked to David Hogg directly by tweeting him. I I didn't even tweet him. No, I didn't use his Twitter handle or anything. And in fact, I was referring to him in a third person formulation. I was referring to him as a subject of a story that I did the next day. Yeah, actually, that I in which I wound up defending him. Exactly. It was a story about how uh, he, he – it was a documentary he did where he was just like F-bombing people all over the place. And I pointed out that, first of all, it was pretty weird to have this kid who is now – or this guy who is now you know, the face of a supposedly credible political movement F-bombing governors and this kind of stuff and that kind of stuff. But then I – I came to the conclusion throughout watching this little mini doc that the only time he cussed is when the two anchors or hosts of the mini doc cussed in their questions to him. Like they were almost like they were egging him on. They were getting him to cuss. And, and, and generally, if you look at the psychology of, of some young people, uh, they'll sometimes adjust to whatever environment they're in and maybe even to make themselves feel more hum- comfortable. It's human nature too, I guess. But like if you, if you are in a classroom and your teacher is talking to you, the chances of you F bombing are probably slim. But if your teacher is F bombing, the chances of you F bombing are pretty high. 
And if you're in a room with somebody and you're sitting at a table and the two anchors are going, yeah, what the F is with all this stuff? And why, would the, why the F would these people do that? Generally, for a young person particularly, that is a door opener for you to start talking like that. And that's what I was maintaining because I was actually being facetious about this idea that every conservative reflexively attacks David Hogg when, in fact, I was actually doing the exact opposite the next day. Correct. So that was pretty interesting. And I, again, asked the effing question today. Newman's, where are you defending David Hogg? Well, they weren't and, – and, and the truth of the matter is, and David Hogg even knew this because he right. was asked about the tweet. And he was like, it's kind of nonsense to be talking about It's this. rhetorical, my he, statement. Yeah. yeah, and he was asked about it by the – I think somebody at the – Joy Reid. Oh, Joy Reid asked him? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. She tweeted him, right? Yes. And I think the the, the uh, one of the Miami newspapers asked him directly, too, because I have the, have the headline. But uh, he didn't – he shrugged it off. He didn't even He said, I wish they would have spent more their energy and time on something important like kids being killed. And he referenced uh, another school shooting. And, and, it's, and a lot of it has to do with the fact – that David Hogg was also briefed on the whole dust-up here in St. Louis, and the people who briefed him told him that this actually had nothing to do with him and everything to do with the little parkway cabal there that didn't like the fact that I supported one of the candidates they didn't like. Right, and I still still think that Newman did not like the way you were defending or the your take on the whole Greitens. Oh, yeah, Jeff sure. City oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, because I was defending him then, too. Yeah. yeah. I, I, clearly, yeah, she she definitely did not uh, did not like that. No, especially she, the money dropper didn't like it either. And certainly she saw me uh, with my picture with me and Eric Greitens and my son that we were at the office. So she, she was she was just basically out there uh, and. uh she was utilizing, and and that, and this is the other thing that's going to haunt her for the remainder of her days, and that is her use of her position as an official with the Missouri government. Oh yeah, her whole day of tweeting like she was Joe McCarthy, yeah, calling out individual individuals and businesses and taxpayers one by one, tweet by tweet. I demand. Yeah, generally, generally, it's not looked upon as a positive thing when the force of a government is utilized to threaten businesses and also to remove people from their jobs. Yeah, that's not a good thing. Generally, that doesn't really work well, not only for the person who is the state official, but also for the state. It doesn't really work out very well. So, on that note, good morning this morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us, RadioFreeAlman.com. And thank you to Discovery Design, DiscoveryDesignInc.com, for sponsoring our studio. Thanks again to uh, Mike and Shannon Marino there, SantinoCigars.com. Appreciate you, Stevie. Thanks, man. Thank and you. Congratulations on my 15th Emmy. All the thanks goes to Ava and Steve, Chris Hayes, Chris Nagus. Thank you all. And the supplier. Jody Davis. And the, and the supplier. 
and the supplier of the gigantic scissors. I'd like to thank Mike Rush, Jody Davis, Herb Humphrey. Thank you for all your help and contributions to this. Good morning, everybody. Have a good rest of your day. Good morning, everybody.